0: James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday
1: Morning Hangover.
2: Good morning and welcome into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 941 FM. San Antonio Sports Star, SA Sports Of course, you can get us on the phone lines at 656 ESPN, 656 3776. Or text in. You can get us on Twitter. I am at I am pleasure. I'm joined by Jack Thompson as always at Jack underscore Thompson33 and Katie Goodman who is found at I I'm Katie Goodman. Right? Yes, I'm Katie Goodman. No AM is I am. It's been a hot minute. I was making sure. Okay. <laughs> So we have so much to react to today. (laughs) I mean, little has this town been this excited since I would say 2014.
3: Yeah, this is, yeah, easily. It's been yeah, like ten years since it's been I mean, last we were
2: this excited it was draft lottery night, obviously, but like before this moment
3: before like the era of Wimby began, yeah, it'd been almost ten years since it was felt good to be a spur.
2: Happiness is back, and it's, I keep relating this to insane. being a Texan fan this past off season because it was a culmination of just everything going right—from getting the right coach in D'Amico Ryan's to adding a bunch yep. of really good free agents to killing it in the draft at the top with what they did. Yeah, and the Spurs have kind of been in this purgatory since Tim retired. Yeah, basically. I mean, you had Manu there for a little bit after he retired, but once he left, Tony Parker was left for Charlotte for that year. That was weird. It was weird, right? <laughs> and it's so weird thinking of him in a, in a Charlotte Super uniform. Weird. But we get through all of that, and then it's the DeMar LaMarcus, Kawhi leaves. Like Everything just kind of turns weird, and we're stuck in the middle for the longest time. And yep. I've always said, especially in the NBA. A it's hard to build from the middle. B the middle is the one place in purgatory you don't want to be in the NBA because that mm-hmm. is the the literal definition of apathy. Yeah. Like you become irrelevant just because you're you're not good enough to where anybody cares and you're not bad enough to where you're ever going to be lottery relevant.
3: Yep. Right.
4: And I feel like the Spurs have kind of been everywhere in between and we finally made it to the tank phase, and you got to hand it to the fans out there because I think San Antonio might have some of the most patient fans. There's a lot of other fan bases, I think, that have gone off their freaking rocker. Like, really and truly. I know like there was a lot of stink about it, but it was, I don't think it's the same as what I've, I've heard from other markets where people just switch teams, they bandwagon. I feel like Spurs fans are just diehard. Also, that's a
3: lot of all we got going on here. They're They're super super diehard, but
2: they're very bandwagon.
3: Yeah, I would, I would not, (laughs) I would not say that Spurs fans were patient. No, I didn't. This is the quickest rebuild, to relevancy. (laughs) Spurs fans have no idea what patience is. Yes, and they weren't patient at all. Sacramento Kings fans had to wait like twenty-six years.
4: When I say patient, Dinner when nuggets? I say patient, I mean
3: we're like spoiled. they weren't
4: totally freaking out about it. Like I don't think people were freaking out about it as hard as we think versus other markets.
3: But think about this, how many Spurs fans it's been 3 years. hated <laughs> hated the tank. Yeah. Not it was one. It was 1 year for one, one, one tank year and Spurs right. fans for lost their general... minds.
4: Not fully completely. Are you, not fully
3: completely yes they did yes they did i think
2: there were people that either checked out completely like they're not playing for championships so i don't care call me when things get exciting again and there's the other end of that which is i hate tanking this goes against everything i stand for even though i know i've seen them do this before to get tim duncan although i refuse to admit that that was a purposeful tank too Like, there are two ends of the spectrum with them, and neither are great. It's hilarious. Like, we had to talk you into the tape.
4: Yes, you did. But I was also (laughs) not freaking out about it. I was not like, oh, my God, they're the worst forever. And I hate the Spurs. Like, I still had mad love for the Spurs, even though they sucked.
3: Joey
2: fernandez on our youtube live feed and you can check us out on youtube as well at sa sports star says i think we were mostly patient because there was a plan in place and it was visible yes Mm. it was visible (laughs) yes the plan was in place we tried to tell a bunch of people a lot of people didn't want to hear i will
4: give (laughs) james and jack all the credit because they did call it from the get-go they said tank and rebuild I think people bought in as the season went on, and then reality set in. I think people just didn't want to believe
2: it. Well, it's because the plan finally slapped them in the face, right?
4: Because there is <laughs> no that was Plan A, and there is no B or C. You know, like <laughs> that was five the only and plan. Two
2: people were calling into this show with a whole bunch of "I told you so"s yeah. seven <laughs> games into the season,
3: <laughs> and then thirty games after that, we were like, "We told you so."
2: Joshua Jimenez, Spurs fans love the Spurs. But there are definitely some bandwaggers. That's why Twitter started a Spurs bandwagon application. Look, every fan base that is successful has bandwagon fans. Because people like successful organizations. There are the people that are going to stick it out through the hard times. Spurs fans are some of those fans. Cleveland Brown fans, another group of fans that I think about, they'll stick it out through tough times. Um, You mentioned earlier... The Sacramento Kings fans that have stuck it out through hard times. I, what, Texas A and Maggie fans have stuck it out through some rough times. Am I right? We am don't need right, to Jack?
3: even get into that.
2: <laughs> Look, most most organizations
3: that aren't the Patriots in recent years. Yeah, you're not Patriots or Alabama. Patriots You've been through some tough times. Patriots
2: Alabama. Lakers Celtics like those are the fan bases that have like double digit titles except for the Patriots, of course, but I mean that's as close as you could get the NFL with seven over a 20 year window. I mean Tom Brady made them ultra relevant, Mm -hmm. but the Spurs are in that window because from from 99 until 2014 they won five titles and on top of that. They stayed relevant even past that a little bit in in contention until it finally just Tim's gone, Tony's gone, Kawhi forced to trade, Manu's gone, everything is... You're riding with DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge kind of in the middle towards the bottom of the playoff picture trying to maintain relevance. And to be fair... Brian Wright talked about you know how long they've been watching Wimby since he was fifteen, so yeah. about four or five years now. Yeah, that's about when we first got word of who Wimby was. Hmm. And I think you can say that they kind of tried to hold on until this year. Yeah. Because this was the obvious and apparent year that they had a plan in place to blow this thing up.
3: Hmm. No facts.
4: This was planned for a very long time. Apparently, when uh, the recruit discovered Wimby, they thought he was actually an assistant coach because he was so much bigger than the other kids and just just killing it and crushing it. Can you imagine? Hi, sir. So how's your team doing? I'm I'm 12.
2: Not even that. Just looking at Wimby next to... Anybody. Literally anybody. (laughs) Anybody in the world. It looks so weird because they they just, the, the heights don't match up because you know a certain person is tall and he is towering over this no. tall person.
4: I have a request, a <laughs> suggestion, if you will. I need a lifelike statue of Wimby and that way can all take a picture next to him because it would be so weird. Or like a wax figure. We have a wax museum here. Just a life here. Wimby.
2: How about well, Wimby takes uh, a picture with us so um, we can put it up okay, here in the studio. Well, I yeah. would love
4: that. <laughs> Send him an invite. Let's see if we'll. Come to the show. Tell him we'll give him a beer, even though he's not twenty-one yet. I'm just no, uh, but seriously, I think that would be a, a nice little, little no. tourist attraction. You go to the AT and T Center. He you can't can take have a, picture statue yet. a statue. No. Yeah. I mean, Tim maybe just a cardboard. Cat- Stat- maybe, not- a, maybe a cardboard cutout for now. Right? Cardboard cutout. Yes. Life. Stephen that was so A is
3: funny. six foot four. He's like interviewing
2: him straight up in the air. <laughs> Stephen A is six foot four. I have taken a picture next to
3: Stephen A. And Wimby is straight up looking down.
2: Well, wow! The funny thing is, looking at the pictures, <laughs> <laughs> can Wim you imagine me five, five,
4: one and a half next to him? Literally, well, I mean,
2: own. you're about as tall as our old Boykins there. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: wow. I mean, it is just a different level of tall. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But it—I've seen tall like that. I saw Yao Ming. I've seen George murison I've seen Sean Bradley. Yeah. Like I've seen uh, Bobon. We've seen tall here in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we've seen tall like that. Yeah. There is a difference when it comes to Wimby. We'll discuss those differences when we come back right here on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star ninety four FM and SA dot
5: With the first pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Victor Wembanyama from Nantar, France.
2: I'm a a damn spur. He is a damn spur. Victor Wembanyama has officially arrived. Welcome back to the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, com. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman, Edwin Hefner, producing this restaurant Quality Radio Show. I have to ask, because we were children when this happened the first time. All of us. We were all children.
3: I was legit a baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was over. It was, wait, it was ninety six. It was ninety seven. Nin, yeah, so I was about to be. It was ninety seven ninety eight to be one.
2: It was ninety seven ninety eight. He was drafted. They had the one year, and ninety eight ninety nine was the title. So yeah, I was a straight up baby,
4: brand spanking new Jack. Yeah, ready for the basketball world. None of us were even adults.
2: Some will say that some of us still aren't, but yeah. <laughs>
4: Forever young but That's a
2: topic for a different time That is a topic for another time Um, It's hard because of the age difference With what had happened with Tim I know other people say I remember where I was when Tim Duncan was drafted Or when we won the lottery Or you know all of those things This one's different for us Yeah Because we're all old enough to Remember very vividly This one
4: Right, and he's this huge generational talent that everyone is on board with Mm -hmm. being a generational talent, even LeBron himself. (laughs) You know, I think that just says something next level. And he's not only a generational talent, he's potentially going to change the game. He's a tall guy. He can play different positions. You know, he's not your typical tall guy player. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about him. That's what makes this so unique. We're not just getting a first-round draft pick. We're getting a game-changer.
3: Yeah. I
2: mean, it's fair to say he is (laughs) six inches tall, taller version of Kevin Durant.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's, I mean, he's a mixture of Kevin Durant and Rudy O'Bear.
4: can shoot outside the arc and rebound it.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: I also think that he's got some stuff in him. His handles are a little bit different. I was
4: just going to say.
2: His handles are good. KD has good handles, though. He has good handles. But this, what I've seen from Wimby feels different. Now Wimby Wimby
3: has like guard handles, while KD has like ISO handles. Yes, he's gonna he's not gonna break you down with a ton of dribbles, but Wimby can do that. Like he can get in and out of situations with his dribble, spin moves, and all that kind of stuff. So crossover, yeah, yeah his his uh his handles different, and it's we've. Like I don't know if there's ever been anyone in the whole history of the world to have, be his size and be able to move like he can.
2: Well, the great thing is, and the, I think the thing that Spurs fans love the most, and remember, guys, we're going to be here. We're not ending at 11 like we normally do today. We're going to take you through. We've got the Wimby Press Conference coming up at 1130 that we'll be carrying live for you from the AT&T Center. We're going to go till about 1 o'clock today. So buckle in. We are getting you caught up and ready on everything that is Victor Wimbenyama and the San Antonio Spurs draft and what's been going on. But when he was drafted, Victor Wimbenyama said this.
6: I'm a, a damn
2: And so later that night when he went on SportsCenter with SVP, SVP asked him about being a damn spur
7: and you said I'm a damn spur and I'm thinking yep you sure are what what's it what's that mean to you what do you understand that that means to be a damn spur (laughs) it's the greatest thing
6: I could have asked for you know the greatest franchise the greatest team the greatest culture the greatest fans it's just it's just perfect but you know sometimes the, the, the universe puts us through some some trials and some hard Steps before being, before you know, before having any reward, and I think this is one of my rewards for for all the hard work and all the pain I had in in the last years. And I'm really, I'm really, really proud and just enjoying the moment.
2: He's really enjoying the moment, and you can tell the moment, even though he knew this was happening for a long time. You saw his reaction on draft lottery night when he when it was going to be the Spurs. We heard about this, but when it all became real, you saw real emotion from Victor Wimbanyama. Victor,
8: bienvenue a la NBA. Tell me what this emotion, tell me about these tears.
6: It's just accomplishing something that I've been dreaming of, you know, my whole life, hearing that that sentence from Adam Silver, you know, I've dreamed of it so, so much that... You know, I, I got to cry, man.
8: Eve, Oscar, Victor's <sighs> siblings, there were tears for you guys. What has it been like watching your brother in this pursuit?
9: That's amazing.
8: We are so proud. We are very happy
9: for you. We are, we are happy for the family, for the friends, for everything, for the basketball. That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah I knew that was, I was going to tear, uh, have tears. Because uh, every time I thought about uh, this sentence, like uh, with the first pick and everything, I got these little tears in my eyes, and I knew that I wasn't going to let let them in, the, in my eyes. Yeah, that's crazy, Still,
2: goosebumps yeah. when I hear that. Yeah.
4: Excuse me while I ugly cry over <laughs> here on the radio. I legit shed a tear when I saw him crying. It felt so good because it felt like he was... Definitely in the right spot. Yeah, and it was real; it was so authentic. Have you it's guys had-
2: incredible because you go from, you know, a person who immediately after being drafted is handed, uh, you know, I'm guessing Spurs PR was there. It ends up on their their uh, Twitter feed, and it's somebody who just says he's ready to be home, and you you kind of contrast that with something that Kaysom Wallace said. (laughs) And my goodness, the two dichotomies couldn't be any more different. Kaysom Wallace, if you don't know, the younger brother of Keaton Wallace, who was the guard for the UTSA Roadrunners here, um, they are from Richardson, Texas, up near Dallas, uh, kind of the Dallas area. And he was drafted by the Mavericks at number 10 overall. That didn't last long. He was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder as they took Derek Lively, I believe it was, out of Duke. And they ended up swapping their picks and then other assets. And all of a sudden, Case and Wallace, who thought he was going to Dallas, which is near home, which you would imagine is probably somewhere he would have wanted to be, yeah. is instead being asked about playing in Oklahoma City.
1: So we have a small conservative place, that's why I ask it. I wonder if it's much different than Lexington, Kentucky
3: in terms of being a small town. Uh, I definitely I definitely will be
10: fine in Oklahoma. There's not much to do, but it lets you, it lets you stay focused. Um, that's the main goal. and I feel like I was out there for a workout, and I
3: have
7: been to a game before, so I'm perfectly fine with being in Oklahoma.
4: I mean, it says so much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's not much to do there. That is not what you want to hear about no. your city.
3: No. Oh. <laughs> Can't say he's wrong about it.
2: Right. I mean, I get it, but a lot of people say the same thing about San Antonio, but... You you look at the dichotomy of what Kaysen said about Oklahoma City and how excited Victor Wimbanyama is to be here saying this. Yeah. Hey, fans, finally
6: happened. I'm the San Antonio Spurs. Can't wait to come home, baby.
2: Can't wait to come home. Yeah. The dichotomy of those two statements from those two players about the two situations they've landed in is completely opposed because... Most people probably would have a very similar thought process to landing in San Antonio as they would Oklahoma City in terms of eh, it's a small city, not a lot to do, even though it's a big city. It's got a, a stigma about it in terms of nightlife and things to do in younger generations.
4: But, you know, Victor is totally different. He's mature, mm-hmm. inquisitive. I mean, did you hear his interview with J.J. Reddick?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah.
4: That kid is more enlightened than probably I'll ever be. You know, (laughs) But at 19, my goodness, just not only that, but the way he's able to speak with media, it's one thing to have the talent, right? It's another thing to have the brain, the IQ, the maturity. And it's just, again, part of the culture. It's just a really solid culture fit.
2: Yeah. Jason Garcia says Floresville has more to offer than Oklahoma City. Uh, (laughs) It's not true. I mean, Ooh. Oklahoma City's a fun town. It is. I've been there. There are things to do. It's not a lot, but you can say the same thing about San Antonio. Unless you live here, people go to the Riverwalk, people go to the Alamo, and what else is there to do? And then everybody ha- kind of has their own things in their own pockets of town, right?
4: Right, right. But also these are like NBA players. If they want to go somewhere nearby real quick, they can. And honestly, he's young, he's starting out, and he's a focus anyway. So it's a good place to grow up, I think San Antonio is. Austin's right down the street if you really want to
3: It's a great get team crazy. for him to be on though. Like mm-hmm. that's as much of an up and coming team as there is in the NBA. Yeah. I I like
2: both where 3 of the teams near the bottom of the league kind of are in terms of their future. The yeah. Spurs, I think have a very bright future and it's, it's not just because of Victor, but that was the piece that really yeah. put it into hyperdrive because I liked Devin Vassell. I liked, uh, Keldon Johnson previously, but you add a Victor Wimbanyama to that. And obviously that changes the entire dynamic of it. Mm-hmm. But I also like what Oklahoma city is doing. And remember, Chad Holmgren's coming back this year. He has a chance to do something only, I think the last person to do it was Ben Simmons, when rookie of the year in their second year.
3: Did did he do that? Ben? Ben did yeah. that. I know Blake Griffin did that. Yeah, I, I don't remember honestly. Yeah, but
2: I, I mean, it's just it's an it's one of those abno. Abnormality type things mm-hmm. where it's like, eh, is Chet really a rookie? Or just because he didn't play, is he a rookie? He got the full kind of off season. And, yeah.
3: Sorry, but, Chet. Mm-hmm.
2: But, you know, he's going to be battling against him along with Scoot and Brandon Miller for rookie of the year honors this upcoming season. So it's going to be um it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a different level of hype around the Spurs this year. And it is uh it is something we have not seen in a long time. And while wins will come at this particular moment, I don't know how important winning is. Yeah. But Oklahoma City, you look at Chet, you look at uh Shea Gilgis who was an all NBA guy. Giddy. Giddy, our guy.
3: Yeah. But, and uh what's his name? Jalen. And Dort? Yeah, Dort's all right. But,
2: I mean, you look at the pieces they have there. Mm-hmm. It's a really good team built for the future kind of the way we thought Memphis was. Yep. Um, and I really like what Houston did in this draft. The young talent they already had on the roster with Tar Eason, uh, Alpern Shingun, mm-hmm. Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. And then you add in a coach like Imei Yudoka. I think that's a team...
3: That's the biggest piece right there. Well, that's the
2: hugest piece yeah. for them, I think. Because I think the talent is there. And then getting Cam Whitmore at 20, my goodness gracious. Yeah, that was,
3: a, that was a crazy fall, to be honest. I was not expecting that.
2: I I'm a big fan of those three teams as kind of young teams that are the blueprint of just kind of tearing it to the studs and rebuilding it up through the draft. Yep. And all three of them have a ton of draft pick capital to play with as they move forward as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that may be the way that teams are going to have to, if this works, because this is very similar to kind of what Denver did. Yeah, I
3: was just going to say that. This is literally what Denver did. I mean, they drafted Mal Murray and Joker. It took longer than expected. And Porter to the, Jr. Yeah, and Porter Jr., Took longer than they probably expected because, you know, Maul Murray missed about two years to get back to full strength Mm -hmm. after that injury. But it worked out, and, you know, they're flying higher than the Spurs are right now. So, it's the recipe. I mean, the, the age of the super team dominating the NBA has faded quickly. There's really only two, I would say, in the league right now, mm-hmm. and they didn't even sniff a championship, either one of them.
2: I'd like to talk about that as we continue, but first, we're going to be joined by Jeff Garcia, oh. Locked On Spurs, Ken's 5 My Digital guy, Reporter. He was actually live at the draft, talked to Wimby at the press conferences, local media each got their shot with him. We'll find out what Wimby had to say and more with Jeff Garcia coming up right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, sasportstar.com. Welcome back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, Sportsstar.com. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman. We are going to 1 o'clock today as we're going to get you caught up on all things Wimby. It's the Victor wimby Show because he has his first official press conference as a San Antonio Spur today, and we're going to bring it to you live and so much more right here on San Antonio Sports Star, your home for Wemby Mania. That was music to my ears, (laughs) James.
4: His first official press conference as a San Antonio Spur.
2: Mm. It's going to be so much fun. So, to do so, I decided we'd bring somebody who got to ask some of the first questions to Victor Wimbanyama after he became a Spur officially at his press conference up there at the Barclays Center as Jeff Garcia of Lockdown Spurs and... The Kids 5 Spurs Digital Report joins us now on the Saturday morning hangover. Jeff, what's going on, my man?
11: I am trying to recover from a bad cold, but uh, (laughs) thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I'm still getting I mean, (laughs) however (laughs) you want
2: to preface hangover <laughs> or wimby wasted i know what right. happened after the draft you're fine
4: <laughs> you're in good company
11: <laughs> that's right okay? yeah 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 no i've been i've been fighting this thing for like a week now and i'm just barely trying to see the light well here so,
2: hangovers get worse as you get older
11: <laughs> that's the thing i know i remember when i was able to rebound from hangovers or colds the next day now i can't do that anymore in my advanced age
4: advanced age please <laughs> but also i feel your pain I'm, I'm, completely
11: uh, I feel I feel so bad. I'm to be. I think I'm old enough to be Katie's dad. That's how old I am.
4: Well, you're nice, and you're a best friend now, because that's not true.
2: Chris Gonzalez on our YouTube page says he's just happy that Jeff didn't get Wimby sick.
11: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, Were you like, wearing a mask? I hope it. No, I wasn't. But I sat three rows away from him, okay. and um, yeah, I was. I was keeping safe distance. I was medicated up. Let's put it that way. So, yes, I was hungover. You want to use medicine? <laughs> <laughs> I was really hungover. I was literally taking DayQuil once every other hour at NBA Draft Media, at NBA Draft itself, just yeah. so I could survive the night. You
4: know, I've been fighting a thing, too, for like a month. I've had this cough for like a month, but it's <clears> finally <throat> I'm over the hill now.
11: I, I I'm good. I—I think what happened was I think I reacted You're to that. You're not over the hill. Uh, the, uh, the uh, smoke that hit uh, New York, yeah. I think that, would got, that got me, yeah. and I think that just triggered all this, and I haven't recovered yet. Uh, you know, I know y'all want to talk about Wimby, but I, I remember the we moment do. when I noticed, <laughs> noticed the smoke came in, but Same. there was a lot of smoke this weekend with Wimby in town.
2: There was a lot of smoke this weekend with Ooh. Wimby in town. So, with that being said, what was the scene like up there at the Barclays Center as Wimby kind of invaded Brooklyn?
11: Well, let me tell you, I've been to countless, countless NBA draft media days Mm -hmm. uh, that I lost count. I don't remember how many I've been to, but I've never experienced one where he had a whole floor to himself, where an individual prospect had an entire wing dedicated to his NBA draft media day. Usually they lump everybody together, no matter if there were a Zion, a Paolo, a John Moran. Everybody gets grouped together. But no, he had his own floor. It was organized. Like an NBA draft playoff, where you have to raise your hand, hope you get picked to uh, ask him a question, and uh, it was split between French media and English speaking media, and very, you know, yeah. just very organized. And I was shocked because I've never seen this before. But one thing I took away from these uh, chats with him was just how cool he is. I mean, that's a good way to say it. just how he kind of rolls with the flow, um, you know, goes with it from. Him bringing up breakfast tacos on his own, <laughs> that's what the, when he heard about San Antonio. Nobody asked him that, to um, the serious side of it, of learning how uh, to integrate himself into the NBA, that side, he just seems to run the gamut.
4: Tell, tell me a little bit about his essence. I mean, you said he's cool, collected, yes. but like it's you know the height I feel like there just has to be this like really huge presence when he's in the room well
11: obviously. I, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because when he walked into the NBA draft media day room there was a uh, silence just fell over the entire room you, you every other every, every draft media day I've been to it's still noisy and loud you got to tell everybody to you know shut up to you know, just talk to the people everybody just got shut quiet. up Jeff <laughs> yeah stop talking about quiet. Dragon Ball Z <laughs> you know what and I want to talk to him about that because I know he's a nerd. I know he's a big time nerd, dude, for and sure. He's openly 100%. talked about it. I gotta talk to him about that. But um, um, <laughs> he's an artist
4: too, apparently. I don't know if you guys know this. He's, and, he's into the arts.
11: Yeah, yeah. I feel exactly. like we'd be yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk to him about that, but they were just so controlled. Uh, you, you know, the the local media was only asked, only allowed to ask one question, which didn't sit well with me. <laughs> but, uh, nevertheless, he, he, you know, you forget that he's just a teenager at times. You have to remember he's 19 years old. You know, we joked earlier about me being old and we're, now there's a person that I really could be my, I could be, that could be my son, old enough to be somebody's father, but uh, he's just a teenager. So he, we I got to keep that in mind. We have to keep that in mind moving forward his NBA career. So, at, at, you know, just, but for the way he talks and presents himself, um, He just runs the gamut. That's the best way I can describe it. You know, he was down to talk about breakfast tacos and what goes in it. And he was down to talk about, you know, the X's and O's of the NBA. He was down to talk about, when I spoke with him, about any um, tips and tricks that he got from Johnny Parker and Boris Diao, playing for both of them in France, you know, he'll get serious. So he can really go with the flow. So I like that about
2: him. Jeff, you say we have to remember he's 19 and we have to – kind of treat him as such right. but do we have to treat him as such because I, I they're we're because down.
4: James what are you doing at 19 No no I'm
2: a different <laughs> I was a
4: disgrace to my family I'm personally. a disgrace I'm right now to my family
2: <laughs> <laughs> But I I'm I'm the exception like people people a lot of people right now don't treat me like an adult <laughs> they te- te- treat me like a grown kid because that's how I act you, you, But at the same time you he doesn't act like that and a lot of people that don't, uh, LeBron comes to mind, Kobe Bryant comes to mind, As people who were driven in such a way that it their maturity seceded that of their age by such a wide margin right. that expectations follow with that. So do we yeah. have to temper our expectations or because of who he is and what we're learning about him, do do we have to temper that because he's kind of putting this on himself with the not only the way he carries himself, but kind of the expectations he's placing on himself?
11: I think to agree to degree, Yes, because um, he's going to, you know, trip along the way and it's going to happen. And whether it be a very big, burly Joel Embiid who's been there, done that, you, you know, teach him a lesson on the court that that, that, that possibly could happen. So I think you have to learn that he's just a 19-year-old about to learn the NBA game. So, but I think his learning curve is going to be short, though very, very short.
10: He yep. embraces
11: the spotlight as he he mentioned it himself. He wants the attention, but at the same time, I think he understands that he can carp, 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 Sorry, he can just pigeonhole everything into look. This is going to be my NBA life. This is going to be my off the court life. This is going to be my marketing life. And I think he can separate all that and then become this complete package.
2: Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs and Spurs digital reporter for Ken's Five San Antonio. Wemby is going has made his arrival. He got the the water cannon uh, yep. salute on the tarmac there, and he is now making his way for his first official press conference here in San Antonio. What? What do you think acclimating to San Antonio itself is going to be like? Because he has said everything right along the way, from the breakfast tacos to wanting to learn yeah. Spanish to, you right. know, going to CTP at his house. Uh, like, everything he's done along the way seems perfect. And that's the only way, like, I can't think of a better thing he could have said or words that have come out of his mouth every time he's opened it.
11: Yeah, and I feel like the same way, too. Like, we're at this point now where it feels like we kind of know everything we need to know X's and O's-wise heading into his NBA career. I mean, we can dive deep into advanced stats, and I think everybody's already done that. We really got to know a little bit about him himself with many interviews that he's given to major outlets. From, as Katie mentioned, you know, the uh, art <laughs> side and to the nerd side <laughs> and whatnot. But I think now we're at a point now where it's, we got to see it now to believe it. I think that's where we're at now. Let's see what he can do in the court. Let's see if he can live up to that hype. And as far as acclimated to San Antonio, I think he'll be fine. I mean, Paris is kind of a multicultural city. Um, you know, San Antonio is very, you know, multicultural itself. Um so I think he'll be great. I, I, don't, I don't see any problem himself acclimating to it. I believe during one of the press conferences, somebody did remind him that San Antonio is, like, pretty much burning up right now, like it's on fire. And he, he, didn't, he didn't understand that. And he was all like, they said, oh, you know, it's like over 100 degrees. F." And he goes, but is that Fahrenheit or Celsius? He only knows Celsius. So oh. hint, learn Celsius, everybody. If you want to <laughs> communicate with them. he only well, knows Celsius, not Fahrenheit. I think no, he's no, going to learn that, Fahrenheit like pretty quickly.
2: <laughs> what is it? Thirty-seven Celsius here. <laughs> what's, yeah. What's yeah, the I,
11: translation I, you know, rate? <laughs> I, I got on my cell phone. I just went to converter. I said, like, "Okay, we just get a Celsius Fahrenheit converter." But I, I what, one thing that stood out for me though that I wish more people saw him. He had an uh, NBA Cares event in Harlem, and uh, I went to it. And you uh, talk about just a media rush. I mean, he mm-hmm. was getting pulled left and right. But, again, he's there for the kids. they there opening up a STEM lab for uh, this, uh, you know, uh, middle school. And, but he's, you know, French media over here, and he has to go take pictures for the NBA, and he goes to a closed event upstairs where they're cutting the ribbon. So I think he realizes he's not spending time enough with the kids. So as the event is, quote, unquote, over, he still stops his entourage and he dived back into the kids. And, and sat in the uh, free throw line with them and was rebounding for them. And then when they took a group photo, he hung around a bit to sign autographs for the kids. And then as he's leaving, he looks behind and he waves to pull a bye to everybody, and all the kids are loving it. So, you know, that kind of, uh, I, I guess, thoughtfulness, I think that's going to go well in San Antonio when he does his uh, upcoming community events in San Antonio.
4: I mean, I guess he's not that far removed from being a kid himself. Only nineteen. He
0: is a kid. Right? I mean, yeah. He just, so he probably yeah, he remembers what it's he like. He is a kid. Yeah, yeah.
4: he remembers
11: yeah, what he, it's like. Yeah, he is a kid, and, and it was funny too because the kids—the kids' reaction was was hilarious when he walked into the gym. Uh, one kid said, "Who is he?" Another kid <laughs> said, uh, he, "He's a giant." Um, <laughs> but and then one little girl uh, asked him, "Like, how tall are you?" And then. He gritted his teeth. He didn't want to say it, and then he could hear him under his microphone. He whispers, "Oh, I knew somebody's going to ask me this question," <laughs> and um, he finally confessed it. He said, "Like, yeah, my measurement is seven foot three without shoes. So wow. he's seven three without shoes. Yeah,
3: I still think that's so. I'm there back. Like, I,
2: I think he's holding yeah, he, back too. Yeah. But <laughs> on top, it's like Kevin Durant constantly trying to tell us he's
3: six eleven. Yeah, he's six twelve. I'm seven feet."
11: Uh, Jack, uh, you said he's holding back. How how tall do you think he is without shoes?
3: I think he's like seven five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't tower over Rudy yeah, Gobert yeah, like that. Yeah. And you saw yeah. him next to Bilal. Like Bilal is all of six foot eight, and he's not even I, close to Victor's.
4: head. And, and, he looked two feet taller. And, he didn't look inches tall. Yeah, yeah,
11: like. And, and, let me, and let me tell y'all. You know, again, going back to uh, just Wemby and the draft and the draft media. Again, I've been to tons of them. Tons of them. Uh, this one never. All drafts always felt like they were all about everybody. Yeah, you know, top ten. Nah, this one I... just felt like it was the Wimby draft. It that was, was it. It. like the, the draft was over after Wimby. Yeah. yeah, it was so quiet at Barclays. I talked to <laughs> a lot of the uh, the NBA, the NBA staff, and there's a, there's this one guy that I know very uh, well, and uh, I sat with him for a while. I said, "You don't seem frazzled as you do in the, the past NBA drafts." He goes. It's pretty much over. He goes, it's done. He goes, it's just quiet now. And you you kind of feel bad for, you, you know, like uh, other. I don't feel teams, bad for you know, anyone that, that didn't get the attention, you <laughs> know, because I tell you this much. Wemby's media, I'm um, sorry, post draft session was packed yeah. through, from end to end. The moment he left, up came up, uh, I think it was who the Houston picks? Oscar? I think it was Osar Thompson.
3: Oh, uh,
11: Amen. Uh, yeah. ossar right? went yeah. to Detroit. The, Right. Well, for some reason, Scoot didn't come, or Brandon Miller didn't come, and Scoot didn't come, but uh, Amen came in next, after Wimby. And I was still kind of lingering there a little bit, just waiting for the crowd to die out. Um, I was going to count maybe eight people were there for uh, Thompson. That was it. That
2: done shot that it. <laughs>
11: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scoot Scoots session, maybe 12.
2: Last question it. before we get you out of here, Jeff. Um... We've all kind of wondered this. I've been wondering it in the back of my mind. Even Tavarius on our YouTube live is asking, "What do you think the starting five is going to look like now that Wimby is officially a San Antonio Spur?"
11: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, with the um, off season just starting, you know, who knows if there's going to be another shakeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised there wasn't a shakeup on draft night, but it is what it is. Uh, to me, that just thinks that's a sign that maybe they're going to stick uh, with. Uh, Trey Jones for now. But I'm projecting uh, Wemby, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Trey Jones. I mean, in in any particular order here. Yeah. Wemby, Trey Jones, uh, Devin Bissell, Zach Collins, and Sohan.
2: So you have Keldon now coming I mean, off the bench.
11: Yep, at least Keldon coming off the bench, which I, which I got laughed at on Locked On Spurs on Friday when I suggested that Keldon is perhaps the odd man out and the biggest, you know, tasty uh, trade pieces the Spurs have. Oh, mm-hmm. you're not going to trade uh, KJ. You're not going to trade KJ. Well, you, you never know now.
2: That is Jeff Garcia, digital reporter for KENS 5 and host of the Locked on Spurs podcast. You can hear myself, Jack Thompson, uh, a lot of the San Antonio Sports Star crew here on that podcast regularly. Check it out on YouTube, Spotify, any way you get your podcast Locked on Spurs. You're home for some of the best Spurs coverage. Jeff, thank, thank you, you for so much for taking some time. Go rest up. Get healthy. Thank you. We'll I see you it. soon, my it. friend. <laughs> All right. Y'all take care. Bye-bye. Later, Jeff. <laughs> that is Jeff Garcia. He joins us b- via the Buyers Barricade guest line. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other draft. He talked about kind of how the draft petered off after the Wimby selection, but there were some some shocking moves within the draft and on draft day. Jack, Katie, and I will break that all down coming up next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and com. You think Wimby's going to get a purple Lamborghini?
10: No. <laughs> no. He can't fit in a Lamborghini.
3: <laughs> More like an SUV of yeah. sorts. He cannot fit in a, Lam- a Lamborghini. If he's getting a Lamborghini, it's going to be the Urus, which is like the, <laughs> the, the whatever, the crossover. Uh, the NBA
2: draft is in the rearview mirror. Obviously, the Spurs won the draft because they won the draft lottery, so they won the right to draft Victor Yeah, It was irrelevant what happened after that. Spurs won the draft. Yeah. Who are some other teams you think did extremely well in the draft.
3: Well, I mean the Hornets getting Nick Smith and Miller. Yeah, that's that is that's tough. That's that's a great combination. Um other teams that won the draft. You know, I kind of blacked out after the first pick. So, <laughs> let me check. He was
4: already Wimby wasted yeah. by the time Wimby came through. I think the Wizards kind of came in with a nice little steal of Bilal Bali. Yes. Don't say that five times. We will past. never hear
3: from him again. Yeah, now. but the I mean,
2: Spurs were could have been a nice support. Reportedly there. interested in trading back up for him into the into the top ten. So, and Brian Wright did mention the fact that they made an effort to move up.
3: I think the Lakers getting Hushafino at seventeen is a steal. The Indiana guard, yeah. Heat getting Jaime Hawkins is an absolute.
2: Is there Dark. a more heat player that was in
3: this draft? No. It's a perfect player for them. <laughs> I mean, he just feels like a heatle. Yeah. The magic, uh, drafting Jet Howard at 11 is an odd pick. Can't, can't How say. How many I
2: guards would... do they have? Because I... they drafted Kobe White, right? Yeah. They drafted Jalen Suggs. No,
3: Kobe White is on the bulls. Yeah,
2: yeah, but they drafted him. That's what I'm saying. Did they? I'm almost positive.
3: No, they drafted Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony, sorry. Yeah. Uh, they drafted
2: Cole Anthony, then they followed that up and tra- take Jalen Suggs, yeah. and now they followed that up and drafted Anthony Jack Black. Howard. And Anthony. And Anthony Black. Yeah. Like they, The amount of guards that they have that can handle the ball. And I guess to their point, if you don't think you got your guy, keep swinging.
3: Yeah. They definitely should have gone. I like the, uh, the Mavs getting Derek Lively. That's a great piece. I think the Magic should have gotten... Derek Lively, but uh, who? I mean, winners of the draft. I mean, we'll see. That's a lot of. I think the Kings getting a uh, Maxence Prosper really late. That's mm-hmm. going to be a good pick for them. But yeah, I, 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 the best winners are us in the, in the, uh, the um, the Hornets for sure. Mm-hmm. I,
2: I really like. The possibility of a backcourt that includes Dame and Scoot Henderson.
3: Yeah, but it's also like we've seen that before, and y'all didn't get not combo. I don't
2: think this was that though.
3: It's not the exact same thing, but we've tried to see y'all run it with two ball dominant guards, and yeah. it was it never worked. Like they've in in a different way, they have repeated what they tried to do when they first got Dame. Mm-hmm. I just. I think if, you know, if either of them had the cojones to do it, you got to trade, you got to maximize Dame for the better of the Trailblazers, and you got to trade him, and get a boatload of assets, and then you start building around Scoot, and that's this what they should be doing.
2: Was the winner of the draft Grady Dick Suit?
3: <laughs> I mean, he looked, Grady Dick's suit was wild, but he, if you don't know about Grady Dick, he's a... He's a dude. He's an interesting character. <laughs> he is. He does not care, like, what you think about it. He is a funny, like, dancing around, yeah. having a good time kind of guy, so it fit who he was.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that he was unapologetically, like, yeah, I'm, I'm rocking this. I'm weird. <laughs> you know yeah dorothy's red slippers yeah. <laughs> type of jacket yeah they're not in, yeah he ain't in Kansas ain't in anymore, Kansas anymore. <laughs> i thought that was really cool i also thought the rockets obviously i i like Eamon thompson i thought he was mm-hmm. probably the best pick that you could get outside of the top 3 he was yeah, the yeah. next in line mm mm-hmm. mhm and I really liked Cam Whitmore, and I did not expect him to still be there Yeah, I
3: really liked Cam Whitmore also.
2: Like, you know my feelings for him were up there with, you know, that of <laughs> Sadiq Bey mm-hmm. coming out. Like, I liked me some Cam Whitmore.
3: The Celtics getting Jordan Walsh at 38, that's going to be a good pick for them. I think he's going to pan out to be a, a, a really solid NBA player.
2: The Celtics getting Kristaps Porzingis is going to be good oh, for yeah. them. We're going to talk of about course. some of the moves around the NBA as we come back right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and sasportstar.com.
11: KTFM Floorsville on YouTube and always at sasportstar.com. sasportstar.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, the Saturday Morning Hangover.
2: Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, Sportsstar.com. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman. Edwin Hafner producing this. Fine, fine radio program is we're going to take you all the way, not until 11 o'clock because Wimby talks at 1130 and we want to bring you that live. So we're going until one o'clock today as we'll bring you all we can from what's happening up at the AT&T Center with Wimby, his press conference. Uh, Of course, the drafting and of their second rounder,
3: the G League night guy, C.D. Sissoko. That way... A fan of him. If Spurs fans, do yourself a favor and go check out this dude. Sissoka? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a, he's a point guard. I know. Everybody said we needed a point guard. He's well, a, they went and got he's him. He's a point guard at 6'6", six, six, 250. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude's a beast.
2: So, and a big guard. He's kind of what I think they expected Josh Primo to be. He's bigger That's what I'm saying. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like that bigger kind of can play on or off the ball combo guard type. Yeah. Well, but
3: the thing, like, CD's like a one and a three. He's not like a one two combo guard. He's Mm -hmm. like a one three. Like, he's got some definite potential. I'm excited about him. We're gonna have it
2: all for you right here on San Antonio Sports Star. Your home for Wimby Mania, as you can tell. If you're watching on our YouTube page at S.A. Sports Star, Wimby's number one fan, JT. <laughs> yep. That's me. Look, uh, the the draft was just kind of a piece of the puzzle. The next piece is coming up here in about a week with free agency. And we've seen the other piece, which is trades here, just leading up to the draft. The fact that, The Suns made the massive move to go get Bradley Beal, creating another super team with four guys maxed out or super maxed out when you're talking about now Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, who they traded for prior to the trade deadline this past season, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, who still doesn't want to be there, I think.
3: (laughs) They also have, like no picks between now and 2031, which is just crazy. No picks and no money. Just... I've never seen a team like really... This is as all-in as you could ever go. Mm-hmm. Like, they have no money, and they have no draft capital until 2032. They're truly gonna have to build this roster
2: around Yeah, the idea of kind of what the Heat did out of accident <laughs> more so than
3: than willful. Yeah. They're gonna have to Undrafted's,
2: undrafted free agents
3: yeah, and vet and, men's. Yeah. Yep. It's
4: never a good thing to have all your eggs in one basket, I feel
3: like. Well if Kevin yeah, Durant's holding that basket I f- it could be worse. <laughs> I feel as good as I can. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's
4: better be, than other people holding it's gonna the basket, be a, right? But injuries yeah. are a thing.
3: No injuries really? are a thing. Especially
4: like you're with just that cold. to God. And he's getting older, like, come on. Love it's, him. Love him to death. But it's gonna go. be
3: a wild ride with that team. They're gonna be incredibly potent, no doubt about mm-hmm. that. But the sustainability of it is this is gonna if this doesn't happen in the next two years, like them winning a championship, this is gonna be a catastrophic meltdown. I th- think it's
2: about as close to what we saw with the Brooklyn Nets.
3: Yeah, but like at least the Nets recouped value. Yeah, some. Yeah, but the Nets also like at that time they didn't they didn't give up all of their their trade value their assets. Are 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 you aware how many? Oh wait, of are Brooklyn's... you talking about? <laughs> you're not talking about uh, KD, Kyrie, and James. You're talking about no, no. I'm talking about KD, Kyrie, and James. Oh, I thought you were. You're aware
2: Houston holds their draft picks through like 2029. Yeah, they,
3: whether that's fair. whether it's a pick or a swap, we hold their picks. That's fair. <laughs> but I feel like they they, I don't know. I I just feel like this is different.
2: Yes, the the first one was worse because yeah. of what it turned into in terms of the picks. Yeah. that were were given up to the Celtics. Yeah, but. They blew this thing up relatively quickly with zero success, and not even half of those picks have conveyed to the Rockets yet.
3: That was also that was a really bad three to try to put together. Which
2: leads me to asking, can Phoenix work? Yeah. Because we know it works if you have people that are willing to, like in Golden State, when you bring in a Kevin Durant, you have Steph Curry- and Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson doesn't need the ball. Draymond doesn't need the ball. They kind of do their own thing and affect the, the game in a different way. Steph Curry checked himself and took a back seat to Kevin Durant to make that work. The same thing happened the first time with the Heat as LeBron took a backseat to Dwayne Wade, told yeah. him, this is your show. And then Chris Bosh, who came in with them, said, look, I'm willing to be the other guy outside of you and Ray Allen and everybody else of this big three, four. Yeah, yeah. I'm willing to do what needs to be done in order to win.
3: No, I I definitely agree. Do they have that in Phoenix? Yeah, I think Brad Beal is humble enough to know that he's not Kevin Durant. And while him and Devin Booker play a very similar game, Book is born and bred a son. Like drafted by him, molded mm-hmm. by him, he's far younger. Like it, Brad Beal is going to take the the third seat for oh, sure.
2: Okay, I I because he's been the one his entire career. That's why I, w- I didn't know or know what to expect of Brad Beal stepping into the situation. If he expected to be the guy, the two hundred and fifty million dollar guy that is still owed to him. Because DeAndre Ayton is already, I think, a bad egg in that locker room in yes. the first place. And now you're bringing another piece that might not be cohesive to a locker room in which you're going to have a bunch of just other guys in there. How does this work? Especially with Frank Vogel as your coach.
3: Garbage. Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't got Frank Vogel. That's I don't know why they... Fire
2: Monty Williams?
3: Yeah, just trade DeAndre. That felt like the,
2: of the things to do, that felt like the more. Yes. Because then you could have got capital, you could have used that capital to go get Beal in the first place anyways. Yeah. Like There were a lot of moves that I thought you could have made without firing Monty Williams or.
3: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that.
2: <laughs> because it sounds like you're about as high on him as I am, but. I'm not a Frank Vogel guy. Like, I've never believed in him as a coach. Whether it was Indiana, even LA with the bubble title, any of that. Like, I
3: don't... Yeah, Frank Vogel. I don't think of him as an elite coach. No, I do not either.
2: I think of Monty Williams as more of an elite coach than I think of Frank Vogel. So, it it was just a weird thing. The other big move, Chris Paul, who was a Phoenix Sun had to go to the Wizards in that Bradley Beal trade, but did not have to unpack his stuff as he ends up in Golden State and will now be a Warrior joining Clay and Steph. Maybe Draymond. They traded Jordan Poole yeah. to get uh Clay Thompson, so does that make
3: does that keep the Warriors relevant? I mean, relevancy in terms of, like... As relevant as they were this year. Yeah, in championship contention. You'll be, I don't think they'll be in championship contention, but, I mean, it's still Steph and Draymond and, you know, Clay and CP3. Like, they got big names to talk about, but I don't see that team. Like, that team's not beating the Suns. Or are not the the uh, the Nuggets like mm-hmm. no the team's not beating the Nuggets for sure so
2: well we have to assume the Nuggets are the odds-on favorite period yeah and Azari, number one in the West everybody's chasing them are they in that next group of teams that are chasing the Nuggets I think they are especially if they bring back Draymond
3: I don't know because maybe
2: the efficiency and the points with Steph Curry on the court versus off was a massive decline. Jordan Poole was a product of that inefficiency. Yeah. Chris Paul at least gives them some efficiency when Steph Curry is not on the floor. Because I don't think Steph and Chris are playing together. Not a lot. No, probably not. Like they'll have some crossover. But I think CP3 is coming off the bench in this instance. Yeah, he definitely should have. Which hopefully leads to him staying healthier, playing less minutes, and it, it, it just solidifies them being able to give Steph, Steph a breather and not have to worry about you know production falling through the floor when mm-hmm. he does. Yeah. I think that keeps them relevant. And... We have to look at the other teams in the West in terms of do you do you expect Sacramento to stay up at two, three,
3: probably not they'll probably regress to the mean, but I know. would
2: expect them to,
3: yeah,
2: uh, because if San Antonio's coming up, yeah, we think Houston may be coming up, we yeah. think Oklahoma City's coming up, yeah, that means teams have to come back down, yeah. That's one of the teams. Mm-hmm. You're going to have uh, 25 games without John ja Morant for the Grizzlies. Are they still a two seed? Without, probably not.
3: No, no, definitely not. So
2: they've got to come back down a little bit. You look at Utah other... Utah Jazz. Yeah, Utah. They had a Rockets. much better season than I thought they were going to have. Yeah. They've got to regress to the mean probably a little bit, I would assume.
3: No, I agree. I In terms of, I don't know. I just don't think the the Warriors are built to win the championship again. I just don't know how many more times they can just ride on the coattails of Steph Curry, just I making mean, them all the way.
2: But if he's as great as we think he is, isn't that what we said about the Spurs, even with Tim Duncan? How long can this team do what they're doing?
3: But It was literally until Tim retired. But that I feel like that's different. Because if Clay was still Clay, pre-injury, then yeah, I, I would, I would vote for that. But in the playoffs, he was horrible. He was. He was missing missing wide open shots. He can't stay in front of anybody anymore. He's never been athletic, and it's worse now. Like, if Clay was still Clay from four years ago, then yeah, they're championship contenders. But Steph is just. Can't do it all by himself.
2: Last thing is, we go to break. If he can't do it by himself, but can he be better a couple years removed from said injuries? Kind of the same way Jamal Murray was. Jamal Murray won the same. Yeah. It took him a couple of years to get back on the floor and look like Jamal Murray that we last saw prior to that ACL injury.
3: That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. If he can get, you know,
4: it's all about the maintenance in between.
3: Yeah.
2: He is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. This is the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. We're going to be joined by half of R&R in the morning, the half that shares the same name as my co-host, Jack Thompson. That's right, Rob Thompson's going to join us live from the AT&T Center as we get set for the Victor Wimbanyama Press Conference right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and Sportsstar.com.
7: This is Rudy J from R and in the Morning. Join us weekday morning six to ten. We'll have plenty of sports and good fun right here on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star.
2: From one half of R to another, that is right. Rob Thompson of R and in the Morning, live from the AT and T Center. Joining us now on the Saturday Morning Hangover, James Pudger, Jack Thompson, Katie Goodman. We are getting you ready for Victor Wimbenyama's press conferences. He is down, looks like, at the Artisan Theater on the Riverwalk, getting introduced right now. And Rob Thompson, how- I'm not there. Well, I'm
7: very aware. <laughs> I'm actually in the air conditioned confines of the AT&T Center, so oh which is uh, yeah. better. Oh
4: much better. I-
7: I think it might be, considering the heat, but watching Wimby enter the Arneson River Theater and walk, stroll down, it did kind of strike me as that's something that you want to remember for for a long, long time. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting day for Wimby and City Sissoko, who are being introduced to a select group of fans at the Arneson River Theater, then they're going to jump into a van. Uh, maybe, you know what? Maybe they'll get one of the um, uh, bike types, one of those bicycle, the birds? biped kind of Yeah, and they'll get a ride from the Arneson River Theater, or maybe they'll get one of the donkey carts. And uh, they'll get a nice little carriage ride down to the AT&T. And some but we carriage ride for time. Yeah, Winfrey, all yeah the maybe party. we can reserve one. And uh, he'll take a carriage ride down Commerce. And uh, we'll bring him down to the AT&T. He should be here about 10.30. We expect to have the whole crew here.
5: Now...
2: You being a big Spurs fan, I know I uh, was talking with Jack and Katie and even myself, and we were all children when this happened with Tim Duncan, so we don't quite remember it the same way as maybe you, you yourself would and being able to compare the not just the this hype surrounding getting Tim Duncan and the lottery and everything, but everything that has since followed all of that.
7: Well, it, it's, it's very funny you brought that up because uh, ask Jack, how old was he when the Spurs finally didn't make the playoffs? Because they had made the playoffs his entire life until he was well over 20 years old. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and, you know, the, that string had actually, you know, begun um, prior to that. When, when Tim arrived, we were a good basketball team. We just weren't a great basketball team. So there was the expectation that we finally are going to, Cross a, a barrier that we hadn't been able to get over with David, but we knew we were already good. This feels so much different because we can we're coming from the literal ashes. We're coming, this is a rebuilt, renewed kind of feeling around here. And, and the way that we're treating Wimby feels that way. Uh, this is a little bit bigger than Tim. Not, I mean, we did the same thing. There was a welcome celebration. We met him at the airport. There was nothing at the Arneson, but there was the celebration of, uh, of the expectations that were coming. But this feels much different because the, it's, it's Wimby, and we're coming from literally the worst place the Spurs have ever been. They were the worst team in basketball last year, and have been for several. So, I think when I look back on what we have felt, I I, I was telling Tim, Tim Spence, uh, on our way down, this isn't my first rodeo on this kind of thing, <laughs> but it, this is a new thing, because I, I think the level of expectations are higher, and we know what it's like, and we know the process, and we know that there are certain signposts that you don't want to forget, and today is one of those days. This is when we get to meet our 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 next, our future has arrived in San Antonio.
2: Rob Thompson of R&R in the Morning join us here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 so, FM via the Buyers the Barricades guest lines. Rob, you talk about the future, the next, the expectations that are placed on the shoulders of this 19-year-old seem different from Past generations of whether it's draft picks or even Tim Duncan himself like it, the the weight that is going to be on this kid's shoulders in terms of bringing this franchise back from the ashes seems almost LeBron James ish in Cleveland in terms of just it, this is really the feeling of being the savior the city, of not only a city, but so it, a league, in a sense.
7: Well, uh, you know, the idea of what he brings, is it felt very much like the ascension to king for a royal family, a royal, as we watch the Prince Charles become King Charles. I mean, this guy's been kind of born to this. The expectation of him being the greatest basketball player in the world started about 10 years ago. When he was about 9 or 10, I think everybody realized, if we do things right, if everything falls into place, this could be a, a world-changing you know, player. And he's grown into that. So I think while we look at it as pressure, he probably looks at it as the next step. But he's already told us, no matter what we think, he's put more pressure on himself. His expectations are higher. So I think he's groomed for this. But to be ready, no one's ready for this. You know, it, it, It's only starting. Rob. And for him to be... In, yes, go ahead, oh, Sorry,
4: I, did, I thought you were <laughs> done. <laughs> no, yeah. no, but yeah. I was going to say, Rob, you know, you talk about him being 19 and you think he's going to handle the pressure okay, but what about our expectations of him? He is human. He is a uh-huh. 19-year-old. You know, do you think we're putting too much pressure on him? Do you think we as fans have too high of expectations?
7: Yeah, we have too high of expectations, and we are putting too much pressure on a 19-year-old kid to bring everything that we expect, yes, but uh, he isn't the first and he won't be the last, and he is going to trip and fall. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of how he reacts because uh, this is this is big-time basketball. This is big-time sports. Yeah. The- um, this is way overhyped and, and uh, way overvalued, but it is what it is, and we 're going to give him as much pressure to be great and when he falls we 'll see what happens but yeah, man, are you kidding this guy 's being introduced on the river right now uh, yeah this is this is a little much, but this is what we do, and uh, i could I will say this uh, there, there isn 't a better place to be when you trip and fall than San Antonio. So when the thing does occur, when he does have a bad game, it could be worse. But, yeah, he's going to be kicked off that mantle. And then we'll pick him back up again.
2: Rob Thompson of R&R in the morning, weekdays here from 6 to 10 on San Antonio Sports Star. We've talked a lot about the expectations and everything that comes with a Victor Wembanyama, and what he's meant for the city and the franchise. But I think the biggest thing that he gives more than anything is hope. It is a hope that is restored to an entire, not just franchise, but but fan base, the fan base itself feels rejuvenated, and I don't know if you can you can quantify what that means. Yeah,
7: yeah, uh, a billion dollars.
0: <laughs>
7: no, that I mean, let's be realistic about what this means. I mean, wins are. Just a small part of what Victor Wimbayama is bringing to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And as we, you know, I, I joke, we laugh a lot about the expansion of the brand, the growth of the Spurs logo uh, above and beyond San Antonio, north to Austin, south to Monterey, into Mexico City. Uh, the timing of this is this, is a perfect storm. Uh, consider what the Spurs have managed to put together in a matter of three or four years. Mm-hmm. Victor Wimbayama is going to walk into the best NBA facility in the league. And this process began five years ago. This process began when this kid was 14 with the expectation was when he arrives, he will walk in. And it worked. And as they planned that, not only did they plan the expansion of the brand, as they asked the city long before the the invoke was pulled and the ping pong ball was pulled out, hey, we want to play in Austin. Hey, we want to play in Mexico City. This brand is going to grow. We know something is coming. I mean, I've never seen a plan put into place that fell so perfectly. I mean, it, it, nothing to my imagination has ever been this perfect that they actually planned to get him, and they got him, and as he arrives, everything they've chased is in play already. Um, it's a, a miraculous event in the history of the city. So. A billion dollars is just the beginning of what the what the plan is and where the money is going.
2: We keep talking a lot about his youth, his maturity, how far beyond his years it is. And I remember listening to you the other morning and you were playing one of the cuts I sent about Victor crediting first himself for his maturity level, but then his parents. And he talked about a story about joking with his mom about, I'm... I don't think I want to play basketball anymore right before the draft and she was like that's cool and knowing he was joking but also knowing the fact of the fine line you walk when bringing up a talent like this and you kind of (laughs) compared him to Tiger Woods and his dad and the way it was done and I found it very interesting that the line that a parent has to walk in terms of not pushing too hard and knowing when to kind of let up on those reins.
7: Especially when you know that your child is going to be 7'5 mm-hmm. and capable of changing the very game that he's playing when he's 10. You know, I, I I can't imagine the situation you find yourself because how do you not focus every waking moment from the time you realize this kid could actually get me, uh, get me or get us, this family, someplace completely different? Uh, It's amazing to me where where it's not worse. There is no surprise that he very much feels like David Robinson did and Tim Duncan did with his family. Um, and Pop is treating this very much the same. You notice, Pop has never said Wimby. It has always been Victor, because I promise you, that's what Mama calls him, Victor. And Pop never said anything but Timmy. There was no big fundamental. There was no TD. It was never, you know, 21. He always called him what his mother always called him. So I think there's something to this family familiar atmosphere and uh, the way that this young man grew and feels very much like Tim when he arrived and very much like David did before him.
2: Rob Thompson of R and R in the Morning, right here on San Antonio Sports Star, the Saturday Morning Hangover. Rob, what do you expect once everything arrives at the AT and T Center finally? Once well, Victor I see gets them. there. Once everything's because they're wrapping up at the Artisan. It looks
7: like looks like they're going to jump on the uh, carriage rides and they're going to whip that mule down Commerce Street and <laughs> head down to the AT and T. When that handsome
2: cab arrives over there.
7: <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a couple of fans here. They've got some select invited fans, and the dais is up right on the court. And we're funny, if you're curious, they're using the fast breaking fiesta um, court. We have the blue paint in oh. the orange free throw line and the old school Spurs logo across the middle. It is not the original one. Uh, this is the fun one. Uh, they are all set up. Uh, they're going to be down here in just a bit. We'll get to see, uh, I imagine, most of the crew that was down at the Arneson, though I do not expect Peter J to be here from what I understand. But uh, we will have, uh, Wimby will be in the building. City will be as well. I expect Sean and, uh, and all the rest to make that trek down here if they can find enough change to tip the, the pedicab guy. But, uh, yeah, Jason Minnick's gonna be here in just a little bit, uh, as, as, we, uh, get ready for Wimby. I'm glad I could be the warm-up act. Uh, we hope this is gonna be a lot of fun this morning. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, sometimes you have to leave with your best foot, Rob, and so we yeah, decided right, to call
7: you. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're kind of fall out of bed, fall out with Rob, and then we'll, we'll get it right with Jason when you get it all in.
2: <laughs> Rob Thompson of R&R in the Morning joining us here on the Saturday morning hangover. Rob, enjoy the moment. Enjoy meeting Victor for the first time, and can't wait to hear all about it Monday morning on R&R.
7: Hey, I'm shaking off my hangover. You guys keep on
2: it. <laughs> Rob good Thompson right here on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to kind of digest what we said and get you ready for the upcoming press conference of Victor Wimbanyama, kind of what the was said at the Arneson Theater. And we'll hear from Peter J. Holtz as well. That's all coming up right here on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and S.A. Sports Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and SASportsStar.com. Of course, you can get us on the Kielbasa. Smoke Meats phone line, 656 ESPN, 210-656-3776. You can also reach out on Twitter. I am at IamPledger. He is at Jack underscore Thompson 33 and she is at I'm Katie Goodman. We are at the Saturday Morning Hangover and... Uh, there's a little bit of, I guess you could call it breaking news in soccer here in the city.
4: Oh, yeah. oh yes. The <laughs> Sam Adenerin, Sam Adenerin, who I sing his praises so highly, has been called back to St. Louis City of the MLS, which is understandable because he's a rock star. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he came he here, he conquered. was a he huge conquered. part of that
2: championship run. Oh, he was
4: huge. He had the most goals of anyone on the team in the playoffs, and you know, between him and Oluwushayi up top, that was some next-level stuff. That was an MLS-caliber attack. Them, Justin Dillon, I mean, the depth on the San Antonio bench is (laughs) next-level. Bench is (laughs) next-level. And uh, it's understandable. There was even a time where he wasn't getting a starting position in in the El Paso game. He came in a little bit later. And, you know, a a player like that, that you can understand why they go back up to the MLS, right? Get all that time.
2: Yeah, I mean... You you have great players, and people are going to want them. And yeah. so it's part of
4: Great players, everything. including Victor Wimbanyama. If you guys didn't know, he used to be a goalkeeper.
2: But I think you know, I'm good with Jordan Farr right You know,
4: now. Jordan Farr is, has the same amount of coverage probably as Victor Wimbanyama in a goal. He's just a couple of feet
2: shorter. Look, if we're worried about him... And the amount of rest he's getting, and whether he should play in summer league or not. I don't need him playing MLS games right now, or or it. In a <laughs>
4: long inhale, long exhale, James. It's gonna be <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. But it's look, Wemby's the the star of the day. He's in town. He is ready. He just met with people down at the Arneson Theater. He is going to be live for his press conference coming up here in about an hour. Yeah. A little less than an hour.
4: I still think he needs to come to an SAFC game just so I'm we sure can he see will. Yeah, what he looks no like doubt. in goal. We need him out there. Let me take a PK we on him, please. can't have him hitting his head yeah. on the crossbar.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> no, ac- no actual game action for him, but, you know, I'm we a, need records.
3: He's a damn He's a spurt. damn spur. Oh.
4: Not a damn SAFC-er. Okay, we get it. We get it.
2: <laughs> Look, I, I understand it's been a whirlwind. He's come straight from more so than any player that came out in this draft. He played in the championship game just last week, was swept by Monaco, goes from there straight to Brooklyn to get ready for the draft, gets drafted, is on this media whirlwind tour, and we're talking about Summer League next week for this kid. Yep. Whether it's Sacramento or Las Vegas. And by all accounts, he's going to play in at least some of it. Yeah. So, to what extent, we don't know, but he's going to at least get some run while I would assume Vegas.
4: That makes sense. I mean, he's 19. If he were in college right now, they'd be kicking his hiney, you know? <laughs> I mean, in the college season. Sure, but like even playing a ton of games, practice, doing Even 19
2: year olds get rest.
4: They do. They do. <laughs> but. He's an ex caliber player, you know? Yeah. I think this will be a good test to see what his body does under some pressure before it's too late. Right? Does he start getting little tweaks here and there? It's just a good litmus test. And then if he needs to take a break, he can. That's the time to do it.
2: I'm more concerned about eighty two games because I know he's gonna go play in the FIBAs. He's gonna play in the FIBA championships in August for his team. Like at some point the body needs to rest.
4: Right. For all of us. But Like I was saying, it's a good way to gauge where he's at, just how much stress he can take on the body, right? Because usually the body will give you signs. It'll Mm -hmm. say, oh, here's a tweak, here's a strain. And then I think that's kind of how they know what they're working with and what he needs to build and work on.
2: All right, but do you want to find out his breaking point by pushing him to it? No. Unnaturally? Uh, no. Or would you just rather naturally him find by... I don't,
4: I don't think they're pushing him to anything. I think it's just you're playing. You're playing a lot, right? And it's just a time to be aware of your body and how you're feeling. That's all.
3: Sure. Dude's a hooper, man. Yeah,
2: Hooper's hoop. Yeah. I get it. But the great thing about prolonging Tim Duncan's career was sometimes you have to put the reins on Hoopers.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll play... In- one summer league game. If we're lucky, we'll see him in two. But it'll probably be just one. But, I mean, Victor, you know, like, I don't see us telling him no right now at this point. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But I
2: I just, and it's not concern of injury or anything else. Because injuries are going to happen regardless. I'm not fearful of injury. But I also am not a fan of tempting fate. Like, why why push somebody to their extreme when they don't have to be? Instead, let them get to the extreme when you need it.
4: Right. I mean, I don't think they're pushing anything. I think it's more so let him play. And if he wants to play more games, if that's... Maybe there's some development that they want to see. Maybe there's something about their system that they want him to adapt to. He needs time to do that. Who knows, right? I'm Mm -hmm. not a coach. I'm not pop. We'll see when we get there. But I think that if it gets to the point where we're concerned about not having enough rest, I don't think anybody's going to have a hard time pulling him, right? Uh, I just what I'm trying to articulate here is that to just be aware of the body. This is the time mm-hmm. to be aware of what you feel when you are being pushed to the limit. If you are being pushed to the limit, but I don't think anyone's gonna anyone's gonna do that with him. As
3: I, I think the as only a golden child now. The only reason he's playing in summer league. Well, obviously there's two reasons. The whole world wants wants to, see, wants to, see to him. know, yeah. but two like it has got to get a little taste of. The NBA, like Mm -hmm. speed, the the pace, the are you getting a taste of it in Summer League though? Not the skill level, but the way the NBA game is played. The differences between,
2: I mean, that's just basically an open pickup game, though, isn't it? They're not really running sets or anything in there.
3: No, but it's like it's the same. It's not the sets. It's the you know the pace of the game in the NBA, the spacing, the fouls. Like, the stuff like that, the differences between the actual game that we play and they play, I think the sooner Wimby can get acclimated to that, the quicker the, you know, the turnaround for him will be. Sure.
2: Right. Uh, but my my thing is, uh, because they're not real game reps, so it's hard to distinguish. It's game reps. Yeah. I mean, it's game reps, but it's not. Like, it's game reps in the sense of... It's- A A scrimmage and practice is game reps.
3: Yeah, I mean, no, I think it is still. It's still. There's always a difference between lacing it up in practice and going out to play. And also, like he's he's got to get used to playing with Malachi and Jeremy and you know the guys that are we think of as part of the foundational core. I think the sooner those game reps come, the chemistry comes you know, the quicker the turnaround will be. But I'm also in the camp of, we can't push this kid, like, too hard. If Especially if he's planning on playing in the FIBAs, then, yeah, it's going to be a game or maybe two games in summer league.
4: Well, Pop himself said that he didn't have any feedback to give him yet. He said he <laughs> needed to get to know him before he could even go there. And the only way that he can do that is watching him play, not in practice. He has to play against somebody. He has to get the game reps. You're right. He has to get time with other players, and this is the time to do it. And then it, that way, he has a training program. If there's something that needs to be worked on physically, he can do that leading up into the season.
2: MEZBX says if it is a competitor, he wants to play in the summer league. Like, yeah, I have no doubt that he wants to play. He definitely wants to play. Plus, <laughs> like, he's
4: been playing in the French professional league. Like, come on. Tim
2: Duncan you know? didn't want to be lobe-managed. He was lobe-managed because... That was best for the longevity of his career. Like You have to pull the reins back on certain players, and I'm okay with that. My thing is, I'm worried about the link because other players that are coming out in this draft have had a much different offseason. They they finished playing in April. This kid finished playing last week. He's not a week removed from playing. And we're talking about more playing, and then he's going to go to FIBA and play more, and then there's an 82-game schedule, and you're talking about, like, oh, we can pull it back if we start to see the cracks. I'm like, why not pull it back earlier before the cracks, because in the NBA regular season, when it's most important, like, that's the time I really want to see him play and I would prefer him not to show signs of wear and tear in December because there's also a monetary value to this in terms of him making Rookie of the Year, winning uh, uh, NBA first-team All-Rookie. To, team all rookie or to do both of those. you, you got to play, play over 65 games. Yeah, you got to play and, at least
3: 65. And I don't, so
4: I'm guys, doing I don't this think for we're gonna, his benefit I don't as well. I don't think we're even going to get there. They'd be bonkers out of their mind to get there. But what I'm saying is like, they st- he still has to start somewhere. And it was the LMB. He owned that league. MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, highest shooter, highest <laughs> rebounder. Like he just owned it. And yes, he made it through playoffs. I know that's a whole different ball game, right? It takes a lot more wear and tear on the body. But you know, coming into this, he we have to see how he plays with other people, and we have to see, you know, where the inevitable cracks are going to be because there will be cracks, whether they're physical or mental or systemic within the team, right? You just have to you just have to pick up on those things, and you can't unless they're playing someone else, not themselves in practice.
3: I don't think, to Katie's point, you we won't see that in the summer league.
2: No, and I don't expect yeah. him play, to play more in a couple of games if he's yeah. there.
3: And also, we want him to play with Jeremy and Malachi, but more importantly at this point is how he plays with Keldon and, and Devin? Devin, because those are the guys that other teams want. And if one of those pieces doesn't fit the machine, then mm-hmm. sayonara. Yep.
2: m Easy says, Duncan was a little managed in his mid-30s, not the same. Also not the same as the player we just drafted didn't just finish playing a whole season, including a playoff run two days before he was drafted. Also not the same. Like, every situation is different for different people, and this kid's just played a ton of basketball up to this point, speaking of that kid, we're going to hear from him next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover as Victor Wembanyama just finished speaking down at the Artisan Theater. Him and Sean Elliott had a little bit to say. We're going to hear it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 and ESPNSA.com. We've all got high hopes right now, 656 ESPN, 210 656 If you want to be a part of the Wemby conversation here on the Saturday Morning Hangover, Josh wanted to be a part of it. Josh, what's going on, my man? Welcome into the Saturday Morning Hangover.
8: Hey, thanks, guys. Love the show. Um, my thought is, as we were talking about the load management with Wemby, what if the Spurs, this is just kind of a thought, or thought process, the goal for the Spurs is to win a championship. Wimby's an amazing player. He's great, but I don't think this team is championship level today. So, what if the Spurs think, hey, maybe one more tank year? Load manage Wimby. Let's let him play in the summer league. Let him play during the season a little bit, just sparing, maybe only 60 games or less than 60, so Wimby can rest during the season. And then we can have a full off season with him, with his group training him and get a top draft pick because Brian Wright says, and supposedly he wasn't able to make any trades because no teams wanted to help. So if no teams wanted to help him in the draft to move up, what team is really going to help him trade a superstar or a big name player to come to San Antonio. So it's, it's more of a uh, thought like maybe they look at this as a tank because you do have plenty of picks and you still can't build a decent team with Wemby with new draft picks and then that team can compete the following year So I I don't know again. I don't want to see him play in Vegas. I think he needs to just Rest and be ready for the season. Let's compete. Let's see what we can do but if you get him in I don't know. I just think the Spurs might do that because they did that back with uh, David Robinson those uh, early years to get um, Tim Duncan. So maybe it's something they look at. I don't know, but thanks, guys. Love the show, man. Appreciate the
2: phone call, Josh. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think they're going to tank again. I think this was the tank. It worked, and now their plan is to start to build this thing going forward. Speaking of which, the reason they tanked, Victor Wimbenyama. He made his arrival yesterday and made his first appearance earlier this morning as he joined Sean Elliott down at the Artisan Theater. This is what they had to say.
5: Victor, first off, welcome to San Antonio. Thanks, man. The question that we all are dying to know right now is, have you gotten your breakfast tacos? Yeah. Oh, you did? I love breakfast tacos. Do you remember which ones you had, or did you just scarf yeah. them down bacon and eggs and uh beans and cheese uh, bean and cheese bean and cheese that's a staple man good answer now I know it's been a you know a crazy you've been here less than twenty four hours. What has been your initial impression of the city of San Antonio and its people? you know
6: what I've seen is only love um even before I landed, we, we were seeing fans right outside the airport, just people, you know, yeah, I felt so much, so much love from people who don't even know me yet and that just pushes me to to love them and to, to show them uh, as much love as I can and to, to give them as much fun as I can too.
5: Yeah, can you take us through your last 72 hours, what it was like on draft night, uh, being picked by the San Antonio Spurs, flying in here and meeting uh, some of these Spurs legends? You know, my, my last 72
6: hours, um, <laughs> first of all, my schedule has been really full, you know, in New York first, we're, there was some, so many interviews to do, so many stuff to prepare, you know, take care of the suit, take care of, the, of everything. Uh, after the, the draft, draft day was a really long day, um, first of all we were stuck in traffic like two hours in New York before <laughs> arriving to the, to the Barclays Center then uh, yeah then the preparation of the draft you know with many many people to talk to then yeah the, 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 the best moment of the night getting caught by Adam Silver and uh, yeah being finally wearing that Spurs hat and uh,
0: yeah,
6: I got my first Spurs jersey given to me right after mm-hmm. You know, that was a really emotional moment. Then uh, I got to celebrate with my family and other media, two hours of interviews, then back to, but, you know, celebrate, back to the hotel, sleep, and then take the plane to San Antonio. And uh, yeah, arriving San Antonio, as I said, meet, meet, meeting with some fans, you know. Then uh, I, got to, I got to eat with, the, with you guys, with you, with Timmy, with Manu, with uh, David. Great night with Coach Bob, obviously. Yeah, that was honestly one of, one of the best dinners of my life and not because of the food. The food was good, but the, the people was
5: great. Amazing. Great answer, great answer. Yeah. yeah, you better clap for that one. That's what I'm talking about. So you all can see right now that he's very grounded and for all the attention that you've gotten over the years, you're 19 years old, how has your family Help keep you grounded and level-headed. You know,
6: um, this is this is the the life I wanted. This is, this is what I worked for, and this is what I've been wanting for a long time. So it, it feels it, it feels normal to me. But for my family, I know it's going it, it's got to be weird sometimes. It's got to be strange. It's got to be yeah, there's a lot of new stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, they, but they they're really they're really smart and grounded people. So this is really. Whenever I need, I need to find stability, I can go to them and, you know, I know they're ne- never going to turn on me and this is really the, the, the st- they're really the stability in my, in my life, you know. So,
5: they're behind all this. Yes, they are. We got a chance to meet your parents and your brother and sister. Uh, you grew up watching the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, can you remember anything from watching Tony and Boris and what did you think about the franchise uh, when you were growing up? You know, as I, I, I've been in Europe... You can look at uh, that photo. You, you were like 6'11'' there, weren't you?
6: Yeah, I, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, as, I, I was, as I've been playing in Europe my whole life, it's a, it's a different type of basketball than uh, what's usually played in the NBA. But, uh, you know, so I, I had many coaches who were really talking greatly about Spurs basketball. You know, uh, that philosophy with with the, the coaching obviously but also the players you know we had many Frenchies go go to, the, go to go to that franchise and it's yeah it's i think it's in the, in the whole NBA you know there's all the franchises that's more important but it's probably the most important and present franchise in, in French players history you know
5: last last night at dinner you showed me a video that you shot on uh, the lottery night, and you said. In the morning. In the morning, yeah. You shot at the morning of the draft lottery. Can you kind of tell people what went on in that video? You know, that, that, that video will come out someday. Okay. People, yeah, 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 truly. People will see it. But uh,
6: it was just me basically saying, uh, I know, you know, uh, I don't know. It, it wasn't a feeling, it was like a certitude, you know. I, had, I, I just knew I was, that this person were going to get the first pick, and I was going to go to that franchise, to that city. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it was just a video of me, yeah, you know, recording, I just knew it, you know. And I told many, many people too, but uh, it was just uh, a relief to, to see that I was right.
5: Well, it was an unreal experience here in town. I could tell you that my wife and I went absolutely nuts. The housekeeper thought we were fighting each other upstairs. But then the next day, I got caught watching all the reaction videos online, and it was just, it was emotionally touching. Did you see any of those, and if you did, how did you feel about the outpouring of love and just excitement that people showed? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I,
6: I, I can't forget that video of the, the root-up, you know, the yeah. people who were watching live at the, the lottery, you know, the, the, the excitement, the, just the, the, the explosion of, yeah, you know, of, of happiness. Uh, uh, yeah, this is what I was telling you about earlier. Uh, all the love of people who don't even, who didn't even get to know me yet—it's—it's it's just crazy to be, you know, to, to to have people waiting for you in a such a beautiful environment. And uh, yeah, it's just as I told you, I just want to give back all that love.
5: Okay, I love you guys. I love you. So we asked CD about you. Can you tell us something about CD S- Sissoko? Yeah, you know, I remember, I remember that guy, I, I played the first time against him,
6: we were 10 years old. He was getting every time down the lane and getting n ones n ones and ones all the time, you know. He was really a, a threat at all times on the court. Yeah, and truly, he's been, like, for n- a number of years, he's been one of the greatest players I,
5: I, I got to play against. Well, now he's on your team, and like he said, a great French duel. Welcome to San Antonio, Victor Wimbanyama. Thanks, sir.
2: The first you'll hear from our newest San Antonio Spur, the future Mr. Victor Wimbanyama right here on San Antonio Sports Star. He was live earlier today from the Arnes River Theater a uh, little get-together, but we're going to step aside real quick, let the ID take care of itself, and come back as Jason Minix live from the AT&T Center, as they get ready, taking Wimby over to his introductory press conference. We're going to hear from Jason about what the scene's like over there and what we're getting ready for with all of this next, right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and com.
12: It's going to be a press conference unlike most that the Spurs do, and you mentioned the music, the video board. The pre-production aspect of this is already more than what we're used to mm-hmm. from the San Antonio Spurs, and and by the
2: James Pledger,
12: Jack Thompson,
1: the Saturday Morning Hangover.
2: Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, sasportstar.com. I'm James Pledger, joined as always by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman as we are working overtime today, baby. That's right, we're going to 1 o'clock because coming up here in about... 25 minutes, we got Victor Wembanyama supposedly getting ready to hit the podium for his introductory press conference as the San Antonio Spur, which we plan to bring you live right here today and break everything down that we hear. One of the people that's going to be at that introductory press conference is the co-host of The Blitz weekdays from now 2 to 6 right here on San Antonio Sports Star, Jason Minix. Jason. What's the scene like right now at the AT&T Center?
12: You know, there's anticipation. Uh, I, I think he is in the building because you could tell the air in the AT&T Center changed a little bit a few minutes ago. That and we saw a bunch of the uh, Spurs PR types that we know are at the Ornison River Theater <laughs> show up down here. So they're here. You could tell cameras are getting ready. Scheduled to start at 1130 and the setup is on the basketball court. They've got the uh, table with the Spurs logo across the uh, tablecloth. And then right next to it is the Eiffel Tower. Uh, I mean, they, they've gone all <laughs> out Little. I tweeted that on the uh, SA Sports Star uh, Twitter account, a photo of it. The Eiffel Tower is there. Media, local I have media. To this. Affect, I think all the local media is here up early on a Saturday, but some national media that are here as well. And I think it's just the first taste of what Wemby Mania is going to be like in San Antonio.
2: Jason Minnick's joining us here on the Saturday morning hangover. And yes, I'm seeing your tweets right now. Wow, that is quite the incredible look right there. Is this the first press conference you can remember for an introductory press conference that's been set up on the court? Because I can't yes. remember anything like this.
12: You know, that that is a great question, uh, set up on the court at the AT&T Center. Most of the time it's over at the practice facility Mm -hmm. on that on that court not at the AT&T Center So I think that's a good question. No, but I also I I think they realize what they are dealing with in the superstar the global superstar that Wemby is so with that you're gonna need more room you're gonna need more parking you're gonna have more space for all the reporters and i believe i'm not sure i'm not hundred percent on this but i believe you have a lot of spurs employees that are here for their first look at Wemby. so this isn't an open to the public event but there are a lot of people here in the stands at the arena but i believe most of those are employees of the san antonio spurs so they wanted to make them a part of this as well because you know, Wemby is rising all the boats right now for those connected to the San Antonio Spurs.
2: <laughs> Jason Mays join us here on the Saturday Morning Hangover right now as we get ready for Wemby to speak at his introductory press conference down there at the AT&T Center. And I look at everything because we've heard so much from Wemby over the last 72 hours between leading up to the draft, the draft, and then post-draft. Is there anything you're expecting follow-up or resolution on or anything in particular that you're really wanting to hear from Wim? Because I feel like he's kind of told us everything that we've wanted to hear out of his mouth perfectly to this point.
12: Well, I hope that he's had a better breakfast taco for breakfast than what he described the thought a breakfast taco was. So, Apparently I mean he And did. I heard him on the, yeah, I heard, but just bean and cheese. So, I mean, what? you know, we, we need to. And uh, bacon, uh, egg, and, and cheese.
0: Know. I also and had a well, bean
4: and cheese this morning. I'm part of the bean and cheese nation, <laughs> so how dare you.
12: All right, James well, there, there you, you go. You. And, and like, like at Las Palapas, get bean and cheese and get a strip of bacon on that, take yeah. it to another level. Oh, you oh. know, get them some good chorizo. And I'm, I'm generic. I, I like bacon, egg, and cheese as well, but. Yo, I want to, you know, he hasn't been in town 24 hours. Uh, I want to know what dinner with Pop was last night. Yes, if it was dinner with Greg Popovich, who was at the dinner last night, um, was was Tim there? You know, was you know what were what was on the menu? There's Tim, Pop,
2: Tim, Sean, and David and Manu. Well, that
12: makes sense. Which that that, that makes sense. But I kind of wanted to know where they ate. Where's
0: Tony? Where's Tony Parker?
12: (laughs) Well, Tony Parker's not in town because he did a video the other day. I. Somewhere else, so I, Is he you know, busy making but I rap music. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I Probably. think that that that's, that ship has sailed too. But but I mean, you you look at it, and and you know just welcoming into san antonio that adjustment i mean he's wanted to be here he's already called at home but he's never really spent a night here um you know now that you've had that conversation with pop when do you start basketball stuff because summer league is right around the corner Mm -hmm. at some point the guy needs a rest i mean i look at you james pledger you go 90 to nothing and then you crash right and 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 you could you know his season over in france just ended and then you get to new york and that whirlwind. At some point, the guy needs to mix in a nap. When is that going to get on the schedule?
4: So he needs a nap, but needs a rest. But at what point do you start to test him a little bit? See how he works with the other guys and just what you're working with. Pop had mentioned he didn't want to give any feedback yet until he had a chance to really get to know him and see what he could do with, you know, the squad that he has. So at what point do you, you know, start having him get back out there?
12: You know, he's a gym rat, so I imagine. He wants to go get a workout in, go get some shots up in the practice facility when there aren't a gazillion cameras around, when there aren't a bunch of people around. And I think that's where Greg Popovich, just from history of watching him, you know, hearing stories like what PJ Carlissima was telling us yesterday on the Blitz with Tony Parker, watching them practice, uh, getting them through. You know, different uh, situations that you're going to put him in, but they're going to ease him in. But again, if he's going to any of the summer leagues, if he actually does go to Sacramento, we know he'll be in Las Vegas, but does he play? He's going to practice with the guys there. But I imagine they want to get a look at him on a basketball court with, before they get where there's a bunch of cameras and, and a bunch of media and a bunch of distractions.
4: Talk about cameras and distractions, but I feel like he might bring that with him to the Summer League, possibly. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's going to be chaos wherever it'll he be goes. We must
12: watch television when the <laughs> Wimby is playing. You know, Rob Thompson, I think, is already trying to suck up to the boss to go cover the summer league in Las Vegas. That I, doesn't shock I, me. It, it, and the boss would be smart to send us out there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, be damned to budget. And, again, it would probably be Rob that goes because our boss isn't an idiot. If he sent uh, Ryan Eagle and me, we would never make a game. We wouldn't make it out of a casino. And uh, we would try to put everything on the company card. But, But that's... You know, that that's a conversation for another day. But, you know, it's funny because P.J. Carlissimo told us yesterday, first time he has ever looked forward to going to Summer League. Mark Kesteser told us on Thursday, mm-hmm. he's actually looking forward to doing games in Summer League. And I think a part of it is you're going to Vegas, that's cool. But when you're working the whole time, you're not really doing Vegas things. You know what I mean?
2: And talk about the Wimby effect because you talked to both of them over the last 24, uh, 24 to 48 hours leading up to and after the draft, both Kesty and P.J., who had roles in the draft coverage, and both of them do games together on ESPN Radio and spoke about how happy they are to possibly be coming back to San Antonio to do games again.
12: Well, San Antonio's been off the map for for five years. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in these terms, but the last time Mark Kestesher did a national radio game in san antonio involving the spurs was the day before the world shut down in 2020 espn has not sent them back they haven't been uh on national tv i believe last year correct me if i'm wrong wasn't the only national tv game the uh made for tv event inside the alamo dome Mm -hmm. it's not like their play earned national tv but it was an event celebrating 50 years uh that is why they were on not because of their play I'll be interested to see when the national TV schedule comes out how many games San Antonio actually has on the original schedule. Now, they might play themselves into getting more national games added to is you know they make some adjustments to that schedule but you know i'm not expecting a christmas day game involving the san antonio spurs but you know do we get 10 national tv games is it 15 is it 20 uh is it five do they wait and see what Wemby is like although i think we all know people just want to watch this kid Mm -hmm. play and everybody else on the spurs roster is going to uh, get a bigger spotlight because of the the big old light that is going to be following Victor
2: Jason Mennox host of the blitz weekdays two to six right here on San Antonio sports star Jason before we let you go and get you ready to get set up for this whole thing Is diplo there because i hear some music in the, in the background your buddy diplo no, is he there no, because this no. sounds like there's an event going on inside <laughs> the no, no, Center, just, more so just, than a press conference i
12: think it's just just the regular uh, spurs dj but on the video boards it is welcome to uh, san antonio uh, playing throughout the arena and i imagine this is going to be a press conference unlike most that the Spurs do and you mentioned the music the video board the pre-production aspect of this is already more than what we're used to Mm -hmm. from the San Antonio Spurs and and by the way for them job well done too
2: and we expect more things that we're not used to with the Spurs finally now that Victor Wembanyama is in San Antonio do we not just because of his comfortability being in the attention of the media spotlight, well, because I mean, things it, it, have been so different for so long here, and we've accepted it because it was the way Tim wanted it, and it was the you know the way that the Spurs' way was. But we can kind of foresee well, more things that we're not accustomed to in the future, right?
12: Victor, Victor is going to attract a lot of media attention. He does not seem to mind it, and and and. You know, he he wins every interview. I mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out well, all right, we know he does well when the microphone is on and he's aware that he's on, but what's he like away from it? Everything you hear, he's the same guy. I mean, he you know, a perfectly bred basketball player that also happens to be a really good dude <laughs> that seems to appreciate the spotlight, comfortable in his own skin, uh, appreciates the fame, and and handles it well. And you heard Pop say the other night, you know, they want to make sure he's comfortable. Pop is going to be Pop. I mean, Pop has turned down every interview request out there from, you know, the Bill Clinton podcast to to the Blitz. I mean, he tells them all no, right? You know, it doesn't matter. It's just not something that Greg Popovich likes to do. That's Mm -hmm. not going to change. Uh, But if at some point they will put some... especially once the season starts, some protections around Wemby and the amount of requests that they actually grant for him or the amount of media availability that they're able to do. But when you got a guy that doesn't mind doing it, that enjoys it, that makes it easier. Manu was that way. Um, Tim Tim didn't like doing them, so Tim didn't do them a lot. Manu didn't mind them. Uh, He enjoyed them. He was good at them. And so I think there's going to be a cross between – what we're used to from the Spurs, and then what Victor really wants to do as well.
2: That is Jason Minnix. You can hear him weekdays, 2 to 6, right here on San Antonio Sports Star on the Blitz with Joe Reinigle. Jason, thanks for your time this morning. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on Monday about what we get from this press conference.
12: See you, boys. Later. Thanks, Katie. Bye. <laughs>
2: Jason Minix. joining us right here on San Antonio Sports Star. We're going to take a quick break, come back, get ready for... Victor Wimbayama's introduction to the press as he gets ready. Plus, also, let's not forget, we heard not only from Victor down at the Artisan Theater, we heard from Pierre J. Holt, R.C. Buford, Brian Wright. We'll get to all of that next when we come back right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 941-FM and ESPNSA.com. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, sasportstar.com. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman as we get you set. Go until 1 o'clock, Victor Wimbenyama's press conference, introductory press conference with the San Antonio Spurs coming up here shortly, which we will be bringing you live in its entirety. <sighs> Guys, there's a... Excitement level that I am not quite able to articulate well
3: enough. Yeah, same. It, right. Literally same.
4: It's like I have this energy drink here, but I don't really need it. No. Because I've I've got all the adrenaline just pumping through the veins. I can't imagine being there right now at the conference.
2: The hype is second to none, yeah. right? Yeah. The hype surrounding this has been overwhelming. And it's just brought in energy, and you could tell. From Victor Wimbenyama mentioned it now at the Oriz and River Theater. He was talking about the reactions at the Roo Pub. Roo yeah. Pub, <laughs> what a solid and he shout out. He knew he, the Roo Pub's he, name. He does yeah. his
4: homework, man. Good for him.
2: That's so good, for dope. Him. Yeah. And that I'm is... hoping that I get to see him at my bar. <laughs>
4: that bar going to be. You
3: can't get in quite yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet.
4: Gonna be hard to get in regardless now. I feel like everybody's gonna be flocking to it. It's a good bar, it's great.
3: It was, and it
2: was packed the other night for the draft itself, right? When they were selling the Wimby burger for a dollar, it's
4: where the idea of being Wimby wasted was born. You
2: know? <laughs> Why not? As a good, good night to remember, yeah. oh, yeah, was draft lottery night. Um, there's been so much around Victor Wimbanyama becoming a Spur, what's going to happen, What, where do we go? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of this needs time, and there's been, even between us, just disagreement on how you need to handle him because everybody wants to see him, and I understand the want to see him.
4: James, imagine you have a Ferrari, and you're they're like, okay, but you should wait to... Actually drive it until you're going to prom or whatever your big event is, right? Would you actually wait to drive it? Hell no. I mean. You got to take it out for a spin at least and see what you got. I
2: understand. But do I want to drive it down an unpaved dirt road or do I want to wait to put it on the highway?
4: How unpaved is the G League?
3: The summer league means. I mean, excuse me. Summer league. The summer right. league is less than the G League. It's right. players that won't even make the G League. Ninety percent of the rosters are people. So, or ninety
2: percent of the the players in that G League aren't going to be on an NBA roster the, when
4: the
3: summer league starts. means nothing.
4: But is it that unpaved?
3: Yes, it means nothing, nothing.
4: So he's just going to get.
3: Reps. It's conditioning.
2: It's reps. It is a way for the. It's like the the NFL minicamps, OTAs. It's not a thing. You can't hit anybody, you can't touch anybody. Training camps are what matter. Right. More than anything. OTAs, mini camps, those are mainly about integrating if you have a new coaching staff, a new offensive or defensive philosophy, mm-hmm. or getting rookies up to speed with the playbook. Mm-hmm. That's what those are about. And I would I would compare summer league similarly.
3: Yeah, summer league it literally means nothing. It's like the best pickup games you've seen like it's pros it's fun yeah if you're a hoop aficionado like pledge and i are i love i've always loved summer league but it's like watching the scrimmages at the scouting combine it's it (laughs) means nothing at all
4: right but it's still a place to go and get conditioning and see what you got and if it Mm. means nothing if it ain't that big of a deal i doubt it's going to push him to his brink if anything i'd be concerned about other players if this is an unpaved road we speak of. i exactly. exactly. I'm scared of getting him. a chip
2: in uh-huh. my Ferrari's paint. Yeah,
4: that's understandable. <laughs> I'm afraid of
2: somebody going too hard and sticking a foot under him when but he's landing also- or
4: we can't coddle him. I'm not trying know. to coddle him. We gotta, we gotta just, I don't think it's gonna be a bad idea to see what happens.
3: He's gonna right? play. He's gonna play in Vegas. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and it'll he's, probably just be the first game. He's got appearances to make in yeah. Vegas anyway. Like yeah. he's gonna play, but it means less than nothing for him to play in the Summer League.
2: For me, right. I care more about him playing in the actual preseason than I do Summer League. Yeah. There's gonna be more taken from that. Yeah. And it's, you, Combined training camp with the games in the preseason, even in the preseason, I don't expect to see him a lot. Mm -hmm. I expect to see him a little bit. But let's face it, the first week and a half, two weeks of the season is really the preseason in the NBA. That's when teams are really trying to get their feet under them.
4: Has he said what he wants to do?
2: He wants to play. He wants to play. Of course he wants to play. All he's wanted to do his entire life is play ball. Yeah,
3: Yeah, he wants to play... There's no doubt about that. And, you know, he wants to, you know, that I feel like once he that's the first time he'll put on a Spurs, you know, jersey and get out on the court and officially like play for the Spurs. And it's a big moment for him. But in the grand scheme of things, it's the least meaningful game he'll ever play for the Spurs is in the summer league. It means nothing at all.
2: A little bit of production on the fly. We are uh, told the press conference may happen a little bit closer to 11.35, so we've got a few minutes. Uh, Edwin, how much time is the R.C. Buford from the RSM Ritter? That's under five, isn't it?
11: About two and a half minutes.
2: Yeah. Let's hear from the CEO of Spurs Sports and Entertainment and the former general manager of... The what's going on, Edwin? You're good, my man. Get everything set up, but I, I mean, look, playing time—it's irrelevant. He's going to play as much as they allow him to play, mm-hmm. how? Because he's going to play in Phoebus. I expect him to play in Phoebus too. I expect him to. He just finished playing a week ago. He's played more than anybody that's come into the league to this point. Yeah. Nobody's played as much as he has, right? And like he's Jay,
4: nineteen, I get it.
2: But even nineteen, you're dumb and oblivious to right. the the future. You
4: know, I did. I did have that question because he seems so insightful, mature, well rounded. I feel like he is somebody who would have better body awareness than the average nineteen. Oh, he, like for me, I'd run through a brick wall and be like, I'm fine. And no, 100% He, I don't think he, he does.
3: absolutely does. He. Yeah. trains every day to protect his body. There's no right. doubt about that. And he knows the history of the, you know, the past giants of the league who have been just you know, downgraded so bad because of bad feet, bad knees, stuff like that. And Victor doesn't <laughs> want to be one of those guys. So, yeah, he he absolutely is more body aware than any other player. Ever, probably. And, yeah. and the thing
2: I see more than anything from people is stop babying, stop coddling these guys. I'm not trying to baby or yeah, coddle this, this guy. This I'm trying different. to protect him from himself. Because uh, you heard Jason mention it when we were talking to him a few minutes ago. Pledge, you go 90 to nothing until you fall over dead. Right. And I do. Katie, There's you're very area. similar.
4: I am, yes. I, and that's what I mean. Like, I am was... Someone, I mean, the thing is, I have the body awareness. I push past it anyway.
2: But People that have an an innate work ethic Mm -hmm. push through things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to protect them. Like Tim had a conversation with me the other day. Like you need to take a day in the middle of the week at some point. You just got to take a day off.
4: Right. You're going to burn out. So, we you know, have
2: to protect him from himself.
4: Right. And there's also mental burnout, right? There but is a mental burnout. But doesn't seem to be there. I mean, he just, I mean, think about it. Walk through his life right now in his giant, whatever, 10-foot shoes that he's wearing. 20. Whatever size he is. And <laughs> think, like, you just got the number one overall draft pick. You mm-hmm. had that moment. It was emotional. Mm-hmm. Now you're in San Antonio doing all these things. Like, if I were the, an athlete in that position, that just makes me want to go... Scream from the rooftops and like Mm -hmm. play my sport and just feel and roll all in those happy endorphins. So, I mean, I can see why he's like, no, I want to play. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Because he is pumped right now.
3: Yeah, the adrenaline is not worn off.
4: Yeah, I don't think it's a mental fatigue by any means. Not
2: yet, no. Yeah. And Tavarius is asking, do you play one or two games a week? He's playing more than that. Like, they were playing, especially in the playoffs, Mm back-to-backs. It's not the NBA. They play a lot closer together
4: and he's talking about practice too. He was practicing mm-hmm. in between like sometimes twice a day and if mm-hmm. it wasn't twice a day he was doing other stuff. So like yeah, he he's a hard hardcore dedicated
2: person. Yeah. As, and, but yeah. that's that's a mentality. That is something that you you have. Mm-hmm. It's not so much something that can be taught. Mm-hmm. It's something that you just have deep within you that gets unleashed and you find a way to kind of harness that mentality but it's something that he has and it's a great thing to have
4: talk about the anomaly of a human that he is right because it's like well he's seven foot five so he's in the top
2: one (laughs) percent
4: right that physicality but not only that the ability i mean there's plenty of giant people out there who aren't actually that athletic and then you couple that with having the right support system around him like all Mm -hmm. the things that had to happen for him to be him are insane they talk about you know him being a video game character like He's a creative player.
3: You 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 can't even make him in 2K. Yeah. You couldn't even do it.
4: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is how rare of a person he is. So, we're lucky. I'm not trying
2: to coddle. I'm not trying. I'm just. I I, I
4: see I've hit a chord. I am
2: mitigating (laughs) risk more than anything.
4: No, I agree. I do. I'm all about mitigating risk. I am a yoga instructor, sir. You are talking (laughs) to the queen of, you know, mobility and preparation and nutrition and everything prior to going into your workout, no matter what age you are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I scream it from the rooftops, even with the younger players. Um, and he's already got that. He'll be fine. Um, but there's still a sense of... He needs, I think, an outlet for all of this excitement, you know? And oh, I think I... Summer League could be a good spot for that. No. I... Know? And I also And think... I have no
2: problem with him playing. I don't. Yeah. yeah. But let's... I don't need to see him play... Thirty minutes every game. Yeah, like no. it's unnecessary. Yeah. And if he doesn't play in Sacramento, I'm okay with that. Yeah. If he only plays one to two games, ten minutes in Vegas, I'm cool with that because it's not necessary.
3: Yeah, I just, I just, truthfully, I just want to see him playing one game, playing one cool. game. Yeah, just playing one game, and I'm good, and that's all we need from you.
2: Because he's going to be playing with, uh, we mentioned a couple of the guys earlier, a uh, dude from West Virginia, kid from Alabama, like kids that aren't even going to be on the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that help? Like, you play pickup soccer. Yeah. Are you more scared of getting hurt in a pickup uh, game or an actual game?
4: Absolutely. But it's different playing pickup soccer with randos who don't have any kind of body awareness versus people who are actual athletes. Just because you're better than them doesn't mean that they – don't know how to handle themselves, so I feel like a summer league is different than pickup. It's not like the average Joe
2: who, though, who needs because to prove. Self. You're talking about guys who are undrafted who are trying to right, prove they, are, they are trying to prove themselves to make a roster. But
4: I'm sorry if you come in at Wimby, the entire world will <laughs> cut you because he's not just big for the Spurs. He's big for the NBA. You know, he's he's he means a lot. He's just a game changer. You know, and I think there has to be that understanding there. And also, I mean, Wimby's talked about it. He's like, people are worried about me being too small and that I need to beef up and lift weights. And and he's like, I can handle my own. I've been doing it this whole time. And I think people, maybe because of his proportions, he doesn't look as strong, mm-hmm. but he, he has to be to get where he is.
2: Wimby talked about this on Scott Van Pelt about playing with a target on his back. And he... He welcomes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
6: know, um, I've won a few titles in my life, and that feeling I wanna—I'm chasing it
9: uh-huh.
6: at all times when I play basketball. So, yeah, what excites me is winning titles, man. And there's gonna be—I told you there's gonna be some hard moments, you know, some hard periods of times, and uh, we just gotta over over overcome these moments as a team. And deserve what we're going to get at the
0: end.
2: He's chasing championships. Mm-hmm. Which, as a Spurs fan, you have to absolutely love yeah. that mentality and what he said. Yep. But, Scott also brought up the point that Murray and Jokic have been in the league for almost a decade before they finally got their first title. LeBron didn't get his first title immediately. There are, are, are a bunch of... There are, and Pop talks about it all the time. There's a process. There's steps you have to take that you can't skip. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's got to know that, right? He's got to know it's Does not going to it's not going to translate into an immediate because championship
2: SVP But like shoot
4: for the stars, am I right?
2: Because SVP asked him, "All right, these guys did that and you said you th- he you think he understands it." Well, SVP asked him, "These other guys, it took time. Are you willing to be patient to achieve your goals?" this is how he answered that
6: I'm usually less patient than people want me to and uh, so it leads it leads to surprises sometimes and so what I told you might happen sooner than expected man
2: you know he's not a patient man
4: I think that's great he just has a sense of urgency it's okay to have a sense of urgency Mm -hmm. and when you think about him one percenter like major outlier right now you, that's the mentality that those people have. They don't go into it saying, mm, I mean, I'd like one, maybe. They go, heck yeah, I'd want one. Like, I'd be crazy not to. Of course, I'm going to go for gold. Because, I mean, at least he personally is going for gold. <laughs> and it's not like he has nobody around him. I mean, he has some veterans, right? Keldon and yeah. guys, right? I mean, will that be a championship team? Probably not. But no, hey, we're, it won't be. It's going to be a significantly better than what we've seen, obviously. So it's just. I don't know. I, I, You can't blame him for saying that. I don't think he's naive. I don't think he's saying it in naivety. I think he's saying it just to be like, I'm a winner. I'm a competitor, and this yeah. is what you're getting from me.
3: No, he, he definitely – he obviously, he wants to win the rings. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. But the quickness to which that comes is how the Spurs change and fit the roster around his skill set and how he's playing. So the more aggressive we are and you know, the moves we make will lend to – how how quickly that comes to fruition for Wimby. Because he, I mean, 19, he's not going to be able to do it on his own right away. Right.
2: And-, and Joey Fernandez says his build's deceptive. Looking at him, you can see his muscle. It's just stretched out. That's, That's kind of the biggest concern that most people seem to have about Wimby is he needs to bulk up, he needs to put on weight, he needs to get ready to bang in the NBA. Which but the thing is they don't what bang I in saying. the NBA anymore. Also
3: <laughs> basketball, like a lot of people they see Wimby at seven five, they're like, center. He's not. He's, He's not a
0: five.
3: Tra- like, if you look by skill set wise he's a three mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's like Kevin Durant yeah
2: like, and he's
4: got finesse he's got yeah. agility despite his and system.
2: remember Kevin Durant couldn't bench 185 at the combine coming out of Texas yeah and he seemed to work out okay Wemby yeah. seems like he is a bit stronger yeah. than that and Wemby himself said he doesn't need to bulk up no it's about I don't build- need to bulk yeah. up
6: I need to get stronger I need to get my my core stronger you
3: know I need to get solid this is the thing
2: and the core is where your yes. power comes from. Yeah,
3: he needs to get yeah his his upper legs and his core is where he really needs to to bulk up. You don't you don't need huge arms in the NBA. That's not right. what basketball is about. Basketball comes from your core and your legs, and that's where he needs to build the appropriate muscle. He's looking like
2: Giannis be- would be great.
3: Yeah, <laughs> if he was chiseled out of granite and looked like Giannis, that would yeah. Of but course. guess what? You can
2: also be. Fantastically great in this league looking like Kevin Durant. Yeah.
3: Right. Well, he's
4: also not the average human. His proportions are completely different than the average human. So, like, I think it takes a specialist, really and truly, to say what he even needs. I think he's really wise to say, hey, strengthen the core because healthy spine. Healthy life. When your spine goes, you are SOL. I can say, it, can speak for myself. Okay. And I feel like a lot of the big tall guys, that's kind of where a lot of their their injuries are because they're so big. There's a lot to keep together. Right. So good on him for for saying that. But I think it's gonna take really a special person to understand that. It's gonna take watching him, how he moves. Yeah. You know, it's different in other sports because there's running form, right? What is running form in the NBA? Like you're You're not in a really in a dead sprint often, right? It's almost more, you know, your your agility, you're moving, you're quick. It's just it's different than other sports.
2: Well, look at just how most even hoopers that are current in the NBA, not just past hoopers, look how they walk. Yeah, (laughs) I mean. They look like they put, struggle to walk mm-hmm. a lot of the time. A times. lot of guys
4: pigeon toed or or otherwise tight hips, all kinds of things. Can I know happen. one
2: that sits right there from six to ten.
3: <laughs> <laughs> can barely walk. But even
2: even like look at the way Jordan walked when he was mm-hmm. you know winning titles towards the end. You would see him walk off the bus. It wasn't like a limp or anything like that. But it was there was just. There was movement that was <laughs> just not fluid, but they get on the court and they get into like action, action, yeah. and it's different. But you see, it takes its toll eventually. It's like one of those
4: old cars where you're like churning the motor and it's just like, just <laughs> you gotta grease one the wheels.
2: Of one or the other. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that it's fine, but I'm also not in a hurry to open this present if I'm a Spurs fan. I'm willing to wait until the beginning of the season knowing what he's been through and what he's going to go through before the season even gets here. Yeah. Because I expect uh, France, which is a legitimate team, when you talk about him and Vic and uh, uh, Rudy and all the other great French players that they have, we drafted another that we're going to get to hear from here in a few minutes, and Sidi and uh, Bilal... Like mm-hmm. they, they've got some great French players on that FIBA team. America's not sending their best to the FIBA worlds. Right. They're just not. So this is the chance for the rest of the world, yeah, to medal and and get mm-hmm. you know recognition among the rest of the world. I know it's not the Olympics, but this is their chance. This to is the
3: basketball like Olympics. Yeah. yeah, this means so much for the rest of the world. While we don't, as While Americans, we
2: think nothing of it and turn our nose is at it.
3: Huge for. The rest of the world, for sure. Yeah. I saw today that uh, that Paulo is playing with us. Yeah, he he announced today that he's joining. We have one more roster spot left. I like the team. The team's good. The team is tough. It's not an Olympic team. <laughs> no, nah, but it's a bunch of Hoopers. Yeah. It's a bunch of guys that that's like all the best secondary stars in the NBA, except NBI. Yeah. B.I. is a probably the highest touted player on the team, mm-hmm. and then it's a bunch of the the best of the rest.
2: But that's why. I fully expect Wemby to be a part of the French national team because this means so much to them around the world in comparison to what it means to us here. Yeah.
4: Right. And well, it's
2: going to be a intense level. Right. Oh yeah. Of competition.
4: And talk about just how much world basketball has come up in general, you know, like NBA, look at the dominant top five players force. in the world, right? NBA <laughs> dominant force for basketball in the world. But, so many of our players are international now. The
3: best players in the NBA are international,
4: right? So what does that say about us? What does that say about our development programs we here
3: in teach, America? We don't teach basketball like they do, right? We I teach feel like there skill- needs to be a change. We teach skills; they teach the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, it's a whole different world.
4: They're gonna start closing the gap. You know, the gap you is see closed. This, you see this happen in world soccer. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: the gap is absolutely closed, and they are beating us.
4: Yeah,
2: they are. Yeah. While the top fifty is mostly comprised of Americans, the top ten is mostly comprised of Euros. And yeah. they play the game differently. Like the Joker is team first, pass first, you know, while he gets his points, he does all the other little things that make Giannis Anticupo, same way. Like the, the Euros are more of a team centric game. While the Americans come up playing AAU ball and ISO ball and it is just yeah. different. And it leads to the Euros being better in team competition than the Americans are.
3: The way I can explain it the best is Americans force the action.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: The international players, probably besides Giannis, because he's... He can force the action. He can, no one can stop him. <laughs> is they take... What the game gives them. Mm-hmm. They read every situation and respond accordingly. While, like, you see, you know, Dame or Steph or Book or KD, it's James Harden, it's pound the rock, let me fi- get to my spot, exactly. and then I'm going to shoot it.
2: What was one of the things we loved most about Josh Giddy coming out of the draft?
3: Yeah, he It he, was his, his vision. Yeah, his cerebral play on the court. He he saw yeah. everything and he, he just did what the game gave to him. He wasn't forcing a pass. He was getting to an area, mm-hmm. seeing how the defense responded to him, and then he makes the pass or he takes the shot. It's just it's different.
4: There's so much to say about that ebb and flow in sports. I think you need both. I think you need the people who are proactive, who create things, and I think you need the people who can fill the spaces that is and adapt. That is
3: Jamal Murray yep. and Nikola Jokic. Yeah, that's, that's Jokic why w-
2: sees the game differently, mm-hmm. Murray forces the action, and the great thing is, is Jokic has learned – when to force the action himself
3: yeah because when it comes back down to it the nba is built for those players Mm -hmm. that force the action that take the awesome shots that drive to get contact if you don't do that then you're not you know you're not um for lack of a better word like like james harden they would say cheats the game because he draws the fouls Mm -hmm. but that's The way the NBA works, he's just playing by the rules. Yeah. So if you don't force that action and take advantage of the way the NBA is, then you're not, you know, playing to the best of your abilities. Luka does that. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, you got to know how to cheat the system by playing the way the NBA is meant to be played offensively. And Jokic has the perfect blend of being able to play the European style of getting everyone involved and letting the game come to him. And also being able to realize when and where he needs to force the action and take over.
4: So going back to the club and academy system and the youth development here, like, should there be a change? I mean, if it's it's just too, it's too far. It's a style. It's stylistic. It's
2: stylistic. AAU is is taken over.
3: Yeah, the way social media works, and they, anyone can get a highlight video like you everyone's trying to make highlights and it's it's too far gone you can't bring the u.s to where the uh like the uh international like leagues are to where they're like handpicked at 12 years old they grow up in an academy learning the game and how to play as a team instead of like every day one-on-one with a trainer dribbling against cones and you know doing skills work they're doing like teamwork every day Mm -hmm. and it's just it's a whole different thing yeah
0: but it's been successful
3: (laughs) you can't you can't
2: argue against the success that aau culture has had in getting people to the league though yeah no for sure
4: right
3: because nba has followed how the aau culture has changed basketball in the united states
2: and on top of that it is still Basically, what the league the league is based on individual star talent. Yeah. Period.
3: Right.
2: And the AAU culture forms individual stars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way the world has gone. We are waiting the press conference to start for Victor Wimbenyama. CD so- Soko will go first and we'll hear from him. As it gets closer, we will break into that live as it happens, and he will be followed up very shortly by Victor Wimbenyama. As we talk about Victor Wimbenyama and the Spurs, I guess until we get to it, we talked a little bit about what the overall arching fears are with Victor Wimbenyama. It's his build, it's whether he can hold up to the NBA game. A lot of people that know Pro-A and That French League basketball and the way that it's played over there with Monaco and some of the other really good teams. Monaco was a team of a bunch of former NBA players Mm -hmm. like they it is good talent over there. So it's not like he was. was, I can argue it was better talent than Brandon uh, Miller was playing against at Alabama.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah, those are pros. Yeah. yeah.
2: Exactly.
4: Better defense, too, from what I understand. In the It
2: franchise. is a different defense yeah. that, is, that is easier to negate. You can't ISO everyone up like you can in the NBA. Both uh, Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo have both talked about how much easier it is to score in the NBA than it is over in Europe. Or in the FIBA rules, like when you play internationally, and we've seen it in the Olympics. Like Jason Tatum's not going for thirty every night, yeah, like he does in the NBA because the the defensive rules are different. You're allowed to basically goaltend almost. Yeah, if it touches
3: the rim, you can go swat it, or at any point you can swat it. Really, yeah.
2: And not only that, but you can kind of play a legal defense, which you can't in the NBA. You can zone up and, and kind of shade to help, which takes things away, passing lanes away. Um, it's just a. You can different also brand hand check
3: and yeah, hip check and put all your weight on so, someone. It's so just, when people kind of say
4: more fun to me, so
3: ba- they play nineties basketball. They play what basketball is. The NBA has <laughs> just changed the rules. Like you travel over there. They're going to call the travel. They're not going to let LeBron take six steps before dribbling. Yeah, they're (laughs) they're not going to let Russell Westbrook catch the inbound pass and take four (laughs) steps up court before he even puts a dribble down. (laughs) Like the they play basketball to the rule, Mm -hmm. and the NBA has skewed its rules to fit the value, like to emphasize entertainment and offense is entertainment. So (laughs) it's an offensive league. It's just what it is. But it's,
2: that's why I say I kind of, when people keep talking about the physicality of the league, the, I think people are wrapped up in the fact of 90s basketball. Like, yeah. it's yeah. not like that anymore. You yeah. can't get away with what you got away with back then. Like, it is not the same.
4: Everything feels like a foul to me in basketball, like barely a touch. And it's, oh, foul. yeah.
2: The, the, it's crazy
4: not
2: as fun. <laughs> uh, uh, look, points are fun. It is people people um grand eyes the the 90s era of basketball. Yeah. Like it was good. It wasn't elite. Yeah. Because do did we really enjoy watching games that finished
3: yeah. seventy yeah I mean facts <laughs> did we but the, yeah it's it's different like the NBA has gone from you know a a league of like basketball to a league of enter, it's entertainment mm-hmm. it's made to be entertainment that's the difference I know that's like the core difference between here and overseas like I there think- it is a basketball league. I think the
4: perfect marriage is they just
2: both need to come a little closer together. Yeah.
4: That's like every sport in America, including baseball. You know, the clock countdown is a lot shorter to throw a pitch or soccer. Like they're trying to change up. Even throw-ins. They want it to be a kick-in. I'm like, somebody bang my head against the wall if they change that. I'm that'll drive me up the wall.
2: I am all for the pitch clock in baseball,
3: to be honest. I, I'm for
4: the pitch clock, because that is a very <laughs> yeah. No
3: Yeah, no one wants yeah, no, no to one's... watch a four-and-a-half-hour game <laughs> that ends zero to one. It's
2: It was so rough. Uh, Nicholas Solis, I'll take 79-83 again as long as the it's the NBA on NBC. That is one of the goat NBA intros of all time. Yeah. Like one of the goat like theme musics of all time is the NBA on NBC. <laughs> that was one of the best. <laughs> and my point in saying that it's different in France and than it is here is people getting worked up about the physicality and how Victor's going to a- assimilate. Look, he's already been playing physical basketball it's going to get easier here for him because the rules dictate that people can't do to him here what they did there. Yeah. So it's going to be an easier transition offensively for me. Like, where he may struggle is defensively. Like, he may struggle adapting to the defensive rules because you can't zone off, you can't cheat to help, you can't goaltend, you you can't take the ball off the rim. Like, these are rule changes that mm-hmm. may actually impact him in a negative way.
3: Yeah. Right. I like, think
4: in that area is where stuff like the summer league helps because you can just mess up all you want mm-hmm. there, you know,
3: and you get and, 10 fouls, you get 10,000 yeah. summer league. You can't like, you can't, can't foul physically out. foul. out. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's where you go to, to mess up for sure. And it's, you know, but it means it's, it's a glorified pickup game. Yeah.
2: And like I said, I'm okay with saving that and letting him get away with all of that yeah, just, in the preseason where it also doesn't just matter.
3: Give me one game, fifteen minutes. I just want to see him Work running around sweat. in the Spurs jersey. That's all I need to see. But it's
2: not even a Spurs jersey. Don't they wear like the pennies and stuff?
3: Yeah, but it got it says Spurs on it. That's
2: sure. But it's not a Spurs jersey. At least in the preseason, you get to see them in a Spurs jersey. Yeah. (laughs)
3: I'm just trying to see them. You're just seeing them in Spurs workout clothes, basically. That's I want to see that. (laughs) Yes. I want to see that.
2: 656-ESPN-656-3776. What say you? You want to be a part of the competition? You can always call in, text in on our text line, or you can always get us on our YouTube channel, at SA Sports Star and comment along there. It is, it is all wimby all the time as we await his arrival at the podium. First it will be CD uh Sissoko who joins in and we will go to that as soon as that press conference gets underway. But we talk about the transition, what it's gonna be like, you know, low management guys and I'll start with you, Jack. Mm-hmm. We've talked about some of the overarching fears. Yeah. His injury, uh, mm-hmm. bulking up, different things like that. What are your fears when it comes to his learning curve when it comes to the NBA? What are some of the things that scare you about him coming in? Like Jay Billis said, I believe it was, the only thing that does, that scares me is that nothing scares me. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you know? That's, no, I, I think I completely agree with that. My... Uh, my only scare for Victor is that temp- the uh, like our expectations are gonna be too heavy for him off the bat. Like obviously he has his own expectations, but there's a difference between like he personally not living up to what he thinks, and then there's disappointing. Like he's talked, all he's talked about is like how he wants to reciprocate the love that we've already shown him. Mm-hmm. What happens when he can't live up to that and then he feels bad that he's not giving us that, what we have given him? Like, what does that do to his mental stability? That would probably be the only thing that I worry about is us having too high of expectations and putting too much weight and pressure on this kid too early before.
2: Do you think we're going to go like full Richard Jefferson on him? Because we're pretty lenient on guys that we draft. Like his, our expectations may be high. But this
3: is different.
2: It is different. Would they're you say high. Would
4: you say we're a patient fan base? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had to throw it. But I agree. Totally. I think in general with, they're
2: patient with certain things well, well
4: in, yeah well in general, I think that we pedestal athletes, celebrities, people all the time mm-hmm. and we have to realize that these people are human it helps him being 19 and not a 22, 23, 24 year old you know it helps him being 19. so I think he's gonna have a little more grace in that area. I guess maybe you know I would be worried about him personally. But he has Timmy, he has Tony, he has all these mentors, I think, who can walk him through
2: that. We're going to go ahead and go live to the AT&T Center as C.D. Sissoko and Brian Wright and uh, Victor Wimbanyama are all about to take the stage as we go live right now to the AT&T
13: Center. Start with uh, English, if anyone has any questions. Right here in the front, Maddie. Good morning. As someone known for playing hard on the defensive end, who are you most excited about matching up against in the NBA this season?
9: Mm, That's a tough one. Mm, I would definitely say Scoop, like my teammates from Ignite, and definitely LeBron, so, you know, but uh, knowing, I know this this summer we got a good game against uh, the Portland, so that would be the first game, so yeah, I'm gonna be there, so yeah.
13: Tim Reynolds in the back, AP.
14: CD. CD, I'm curious how the Ignite experience, do you think it prepared you for this? Just playing with, with players the caliber of Scoot and, and being basically like a professional team, obviously. How did that get you ready for what's coming your way now?
9: I mean, I was, I was already already because, uh, like I said, I, a lot of times I was in Spain since 13 years old. so. I was already like a professional player there, like professional process. So now it was good. So now they're family to me. I miss them already. We did a great year. And uh, we was mad because uh, we didn't qualify to the playoff in the G League. But it is what it is. So and uh, now and right now I'm focused with the Spurs. So, yeah.
13: We'll to Tom Orsborne, San Antonio Express News, right here in the red.
14: how excited are you to be with Victor, and and how well do you know him? And also, I'm curious about your uh, versatility. The Spurs really covet versatile players. Is it accurate to say you can cover one through four?
9: Uh, I know Victor, the first game I played against him, he was really like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, so he was pretty tall. He was like 9 years old, 10 years old. And, uh, yeah. And... Um, we did, like three years we was like you know good rivality and we'll spend every time the final of paris and um oh, but something is Spurs is really good because i think the only team that play like more like in europe and uh now greg is a great coach from the probably the best coach of all time and uh and i'm proud to be here and uh, yeah and i hope we had the best season so a good season next year so yeah you're
2: listening live to the introductory draft uh, press conference for the I San Antonio Spurs. On the mic now, and, C.D. Uh,
9: no, Sissoko. Uh, Biographies on both ends because I know if you play hard in defense, you, you're going to be good in offense. So yeah.
13: We'll go right here in the front to Brian Colbert, Spurs.com. Now your versatility was mentioned. We've seen the dunks. We've seen some passes too. Sean earlier
7: today compared you to Boris Dole. In your own words, how would you describe your game?
9: I can do everything and kind of everything in the court, and uh, no, be best as him as I can, and try to help the team to win. So if you want me to play the four, we definitely play the four. If you want me to play the one, like each each position comes to me. So no, just, I just want to win at the end. So yeah.
13: We'll go, with Jeff McDonald, in the back. San Antonio Express News.
1: I know you've only been here for 24 hours or so, but I was just curious your um, impressions of the welcome you got, the greeting you got, and wondering if anybody was there to greet your plane when it, when it came in the other day.
9: I didn't come with a plane, so, you know, I was not in New York, but that's fine. We did, like, with my agency, my family, we did, like, a six-hour trip from, uh, from Dallas, and Dallas from here is, like, four hours, but we took, like, there was traffic and everything, so. <laughs> But no, and um, that was a fun travel. We're talking. Uh, we was like I was. I didn't sleep for two days because I was like really excited. So no, yeah.
1: And what do you think of the city so far? And just the the, the
9: welcome you've received. Oh, good. Uh, yesterday at the hotel I took my first picture as an NBA player. So, and um, now I was like not this big like to people that know me already. So, and then uh, it was really good. So
13: yeah. We'll go right there to Matt Tiny. Uh, Cd Brian on draft night talked about your
12: unique path to the NBA. You've played abroad. You made the trip to
3: the United States to play in the G League. How do you feel that has rounded your game or molded your game in a way uh, in terms of experience in different parts of the world playing this sport?
9: I mean, this year was like weird because like I was like a young guy and. Uh, and the young guys say, were saying to me, like, you look like a vet, like you act like a vet, and stuff. Uh, and uh, no, and uh, I was like, every time I get out know, with the teammates, like the old teammates, and uh, I think that what Baskina did, they did a great job with me to be a professional player. So and I think like, this helped me a lot to be in the junior night sport, and uh, no, it was good, and I was like, already by my own, like I said, like 13 years old, so yeah.
13: Thank you. We'll take any questions in French, if there are any. Jan, right here in the front.
9: Vous
2: Spurs Sissoko. Uh, right mm. Nous de, bah, de Knight, avec Antonio Sports star. Donc Vous êtes joué souvent, et notamment, je crois, dans, dans un petit tournoi, euh, moins de 11 ans, euh, à Bourbourg. Et parle-nous de ses souvenirs, s'il te plaît.
9: Non, c'était. Bah, c'est un truc d'ouf qu'on soit, qu'on soit jusqu'à là. Et parce que, en plus, il était déjà grand. Il faisait presque 2 mètres à à 10-11 ans et non mais après on a toujours été en rivalité depuis U9 euh, U9, U10 jusqu'à U13 on était à chaque fois baladé avec les Hauts-de-Seine 92 et moi j'étais avec le 91 et euh, il a gagné plusieurs tournois avec euh, les Hauts-de-Seine et j'en ai gagné aussi plusieurs avec euh, le 91 et non ça s'est toujours bien passé mais euh, on pensait pas du tout si, si on reprenait, si on revenait dans le passé on dit que j'allais être avec Victor en NBA, je pense que personne n'y croit et non du coup ouais c'est, c'est un plaisir vraiment CD,
7: Clément Repelin de Canal. Est-ce que vous pouvez nous parler de ces trois, quatre derniers
2: jours? That is CD Sissoko at the Spurs introductory draft press conference. We will come back to that when they get to Victor Wimbenyama once CD is done. It seems they did the English portion of it. They are doing the French portion of the media right now. I imagine they'll do a very similar thing with Victor Wimbenyama. I'm not going to subject. Uh, everyone i i i I assume our listenership that speaks affluent french is very small I feels like i I know i'm making an assumption which is always bad but i feel like that's an assumption that i uh, that's
3: a safe assumption i would say
2: (laughs) i feel like our french listenership our affluent french listenership is very small (laughs) very few and far between no doubt (laughs) <laughs>
4: no doubt. Maybe throw some Spanish in there.
2: Yeah, like in that case I I might leave close. it up for a little bit. <laughs> like, I will be uh, lost.
3: <laughs> I saw a video of City Sissoko at the introduction thing earlier and he can speak fluent Spanish. Oh. Really? Vic said he wants to learn Spanish. No, uh City well he did first started he started time in Spain, pro right? Yeah, at like 13 in Spain. Yeah.
2: Oh, he said great. that in his press conference. Um other things uh, to take from his press conference uh that I found intriguing was his answer about being able to, you know, kind of play one through four.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's big. Huge. Yeah, dude's a monster, man. City Sissoko has some serious potential. I very excited about him. I didn't really know much about him. I knew who he was. I had heard of him. Yeah. But man, he he's got extreme court vision. And
2: because of Scoot, like I I was paying attention to the G League Ignite, yeah. obviously. So I saw some more of City and he was a guy that kind of pops off and like every once in a while you're like, Oh, who's that guy? And he you know? can do some
3: surprising things for his size on the court.
2: Yeah. And
3: super explosive too.
2: I kept saying, whether it's free agency or the draft, like you need to go get a point guard. You need well, they drafted a point guard there.
3: Yeah, he's he has point guard vision in a small forward frame body.
2: You know somebody else who has that? Jeremy? One Josh Getty. Oh
3: yeah, Josh Getty, <laughs> but he's a, he's different.
2: No, no, I get physicality that. wise. <laughs> I get that. But I'm just talking about size yeah. and skill. Like yeah. he's got kind of that that combo mm-hmm.
4: For me, it's the versatility. You know, when you bring in someone like Victor Wimanyama, it's a ripple effect. Everything Mm -hmm. changes because you're building around him now. What was in place is a little different, so you don't know how other players are going to react around him. So when you have someone that's really versatile who's played against him, also French, they kind of, I'm going to guess, have grown up in that same kind of system. It's helpful.
2: Yeah, they played against each other, I believe, a couple of times when Mm -hmm. they were younger. But I look at this team... In the starting lineup, and then I start to, like, my mind starts to kind of, ooh, you got seven five with a, you know, 9-foot wingspan and, and Victor Wimbanyama. Then you talk about C.D. Sissoko, who is is six eight or whatever with another 7-foot-plus wingspan. And then you look at Jeremy Sohan, who, according to, I believe it was Keldon, apparently Jeremy has hit a growth spurt this offseason. No, no,
3: that's, this all stemmed from... Tari Easton talking about Alfred Sengun. Uh-huh. And he said that he had hit a growth spurt. And then it was memed across Twitter to the point where um, Kendrick Perkins on mm-hmm. NBA Today talked about... How, it's all the same thing. Like, it's yeah, the yeah. same wording every time. And Kendrick Perkins had no idea because he has no idea about anything. Obviously. That and he said it was uh, like about Jonathan Kaminga, but it all uh-huh. st- it all stemmed from Tari Eason was talking about Sengun that he has grown over the summer, mm-hmm. and then it just got memed around Twitter to where everyone Everybody's was saying grown. everyone had grown in the exact. It was the same quote, but just replaced <laughs> Replace the, name. the names. Yeah, it was. I saw like twelve different players that it was, but it wouldn't shock me
2: because Jeremy Sohan is nineteen. Yeah. He is still growing. And we talked multiple times about Josh Primo and his growth plate still being open, yeah, and how tall he was going to get. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he came in an inch or two taller this off season, from six ten to like six eleven, you know, or so. And that just. My point is, you talk about a C.D. Sissoko, you talk about a Victor bowen you talk about a 6'10 with a 7-plus wingspan and Jeremy Sohan, Devin Bissell, who is extremely lengthy. Right,
3: from my starting five for the Spurs does not include Trey, I'm going well, Devin, Keldon, but... Jeremy, Wimby, and Collins. So you got Devin at the one, Keldon well, at the Devin two. Well, Devin guarding the best guard. Yeah. Jeremy initiating the offense on yeah. but when He's it flips your to defense or whatever devin's guarding the best guard jeremy's guarding the best forward and then you fill the gaps around that but we're not running a traditional one i would know extreme size and length and just wreak havoc on the defensive end
2: what was it they called both uh in denver and uh, other places when they went to their to their their big ball Back oh, when yeah. Bull Bull was playing up yeah, there.
3: Yeah, the death lineup or whatever.
2: Because they, well, the Warriors had the death, the lineup of death or whatever, right? Yeah. Which was uh, a very small, fast. It was the fast, opposite, yeah. But this one was completely opposite. Yeah. Where everybody's yeah. over six seven.
3: Yeah. <laughs> when they were running like AG, Bull Bull, Jokic. Michael Porter, yeah, yeah, it was it was absurd. <laughs> it
2: was their their version of the Death lineup that stretched the floor, but were all like six, eight, and over, like the Spurs can feasibly do something like that. You put a Zach Collins with Wimby and uh Vassell and Sohan, like you can make a very matchup nightmare type, yeah. especially if Jeremy Sohan. Is in the lab this offseason, and from what everything he's I've heard, been he's lab. been in the lab. Like, and his three point develops the yeah. way that his free throw developed throughout the season last year.
3: Switch everything on offense and it's size mismatches everywhere, or switch everything on defense and it's size mismatches everywhere on offense,
2: everywhere, size matchups, mismatches everywhere. But at the same time,
3: everyone's a threat, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why I mean. Trey, great point guard, but I'm I'm going crazy lineup. Like I said, super it, length. I love Trey, and I want to bring him back. And Trey and Malachi just off the bench. But
2: I think Trey is a in my brain. He is the perfect yeah sixth man off the bench.
3: Yeah, well, not even I don't even no, consider, like sixth man. You know, whatever. But, but he's your, your backup point guard. Yeah, he. That's what I will mean. come in and lead the second group to a to perfection. Yeah absolutely well
4: i think that we pedestal athletes celebrities people all the time Mm -hmm. and we have to realize that these people are human it helps him being 19 and not a 22 23 24 year old you know it helps him being 19 so i think he's gonna have a little more grace in that area i guess maybe you know i would be worried about him personally but he has Timmy, he has Tony, he has all these mentors I think who can walk him through
2: that. We're going to go ahead and go live to the AT&T Center as C.D. Sissoko and Brian Wright and uh, Victor Wimbenyama are all about to take the stage as we go live right now to
13: the AT&T Center. Start with uh, English if anyone has any questions. Right here okay. in the front, Maddie. Good morning. As someone known for playing hard on the defensive end, who are you most excited about matching up against in the NBA this season?
9: Mm, That's a tough one. Mm, I would definitely say Scoop, like my teammates from Ignite, and definitely LeBron, so, you know, but uh, knowing, I know this this summer we got a good game against uh, the Portland, so that would be the first game, so yeah, I'm gonna be there, so yeah.
13: Tim Reynolds in the back, AP.
14: Sadie, I'm curious how the Ignite experience, do you think it prepared you for this, just playing with, with players the caliber of Scoot and, and being basically like a professional team, obviously. How did that get you ready for what's coming your way now?
9: I mean, I was, I was already already because, uh, like I said, like a lot of times I was in Spain since 13 years old, so... I was already like a professional player there, like professional process. So now it was good. So now they're family to me. I miss them already. We did a great year and uh, we was mad because uh, we didn't qualify to the playoffs in the G League, but it is what it is. So, and uh, no, and right now I'm focused with the Spurs. So, yeah,
13: Tom Orsborne, San Antonio Express News right here in red.
14: C.D., how excited are you to be with Victor, and and how well do you know him? And also, I'm curious about your uh, versatility. The Spurs really covet versatile players. Is it accurate to say you can cover one through four?
9: Uh, I know Victor, the first game I played against him, he was really like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, so he was pretty tall. He was like 9 years old, 10 years old. And, uh, yeah. And... Um, we did like three years we was like, you know, good rivality and we were spending every time the final of Paris. And um, oh, but the San Antonio Spurs is really good because I think the only team that play like more like in Europe. And uh, now Greg is a great coach, one of the probably the best coach of all time. And, uh, and I'm proud to be here and uh, yeah and I hope we had the best season, so a good season next year, so yeah.
2: You're listening live to the introductory draft uh, press conference for the San Antonio Spurs on the mic now, and,
9: CD uh, no, Sissoko. Uh, Biography on both ends because I know if you play hard in defense, you you're gonna be good in offense. So yeah.
13: We'll go right here in the front to Brian Colbert, Spurs.com. Now your versatility was mentioned. We've seen the dunks. We've seen some passes too. Sean
7: earlier today compared you to Boris Diaw. In your own words, how would you describe your game?
9: I can do everything and everything in the court. And uh, no, be as versatile as I can and try to help the team to win. So if you want me to play the four, I would definitely play the four. If you want me to play the one, like each each position comes to me. So no, I just want to win at the end. So yeah.
13: Go, Jeff McDonald in the back, San Antonio Express News.
1: I know you've only been here for 24 hours or so, but I was just curious your um, impressions of the welcome you got, the greeting you got, and wondering if anybody was there to greet your plane when it, when it came in the other day.
9: I didn't come with a plane, so, you know, I was not in New York, but that's fine. We did, like, with my agency, my family, we did, like, a six-hour trip from, uh, from Dallas, and Dallas from here is, like, four hours, but we took, like, there was traffic and everything, so. <laughs> But no, and um, that was a fun travel. We talking. and uh, we was like, I, was, I didn't sleep for two days because I was like really excited. So no, yeah.
1: And what do you think of the city so far and just the, the, the
9: welcome you've received? Oh, good. Uh, yesterday at the hotel, I took my first picture as an NBA player, so, and um, now I was like, not this big, like to people that know me already, so, and then uh, it was really good,
13: so yeah. We'll go right there to Matt Tiny. Uh, CD, Brian on draft night talked about your
12: unique path to the NBA. You've played abroad, you made the trip
3: to the United States to play in the G League. How do you feel that has rounded your game or molded your game in a way uh, in terms of experience in different parts of the world playing this sport?
9: I mean, this year was like weird because like I was like a young guy and... Uh, and the young guys were saying to me, like, "You look like a vet, like you act like a vet, and stuff." So, and uh, no, and uh, I was like, every time I get out know, with the teammates, like the old teammates, and uh, I think that what basketball did, they did a great job with me to be a professional player. So and I think like this helped me a lot to be in the gym in light sport. And uh, no, it was good, and I was like already by my own, like I said, like 13 years old. So yeah.
13: Thank you. We'll take any questions in French if there are any. Jan, right here in the front.
9: Vous are les
2: conférences de Spurs draft press conférences le uh, on journal l'équipe. Sissoko. Nous Antonio Sports
5: êtes joué souvent, et notamment, je crois, dans un petit tournoi, moins de 11 ans, à Bourbourg. Parle-nous de ses souvenirs, s'il te plaît.
9: Non, c'était. C'est un truc qu'on soit arrivé jusqu'à là. Parce qu'en plus, il était déjà grand. faisait presque 2 mètres à à 10-11 ans, et non, mais après on a toujours été en rivalité depuis U9, euh, U9 U10 jusqu'à U13, on était à chaque fois était avec les Hauts-de-Seine, 92, et moi j'étais avec le 91, et euh, il a gagné plusieurs tournois avec euh, les hauts seine et j'en ai gagné aussi plusieurs avec euh, le 91, et non, ça s'est toujours bien passé, mais euh, on pensait pas du tout si, si, on, reprenait, si on revenait dans le passé, où on dit que j'allais être avec Victor en NBA, je pense que personne n'y croit, et non, du coup, ouais, c'est, c'est un plaisir vraiment. CD,
7: Clément Repelin de de Canal. Est-ce que vous pouvez nous parler de ces trois, quatre
12: derniers
2: jours? That is CD Sissoko at the Spurs introductory draft press conference. We will come back to that when they get to Victor Wimbenyama once CD is done. It seems they did the English portion of it. They are doing the French portion of the media right now. I imagine they'll do a very similar thing with Victor Wimbenyama. I'm not going to subject. Uh, everyone, I, 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 f- I assume our listenership that speaks affluent French is very small. I feels like, I, I know I'm making an assumption, which is always bad, but I feel like that's an assumption that I... Uh, that's
3: a safe assumption, I would say.
2: <laughs> I feel like our French listenership, our affluent French listenership is very small. <laughs> very few and
4: far between, no doubt. <laughs> No doubt maybe throw some Spanish in there,
2: yeah, like in that case <laughs> I I might leave close. it up for a little bit <laughs> like, I will be lost
3: <laughs> I saw a video of city Sissoko at the introduction thing earlier, and he can speak fluent Spanish, oh
2: really Vic said he wants to learn Spanish no, uh, city well he he's time in Spain, right at yeah. like
3: thirteen in Spain, yeah,
2: oh, he said great. that in his press conference um other things uh, to take from his press conference uh that I found intriguing was his answer about being able to, you know, kind of play one through four.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's big. Huge. Yeah, dude's a monster, man. City Sissoko has some serious potential. I very excited about him. I didn't really know much about him. I knew who he was. I had heard of him. Yeah. But man, he he's got extreme court vision.
2: And because of Scoot, like I I was paying attention to the G League Ignite, yeah. obviously. So I saw some more of City and he was a guy that kind of pops off and like every once in a while you're like oh who is that guy?
3: You he <laughs> can do some surprising things for his size on the court.
2: Yeah, and
3: super explosive too.
2: And I kept saying whether it's free agency or the draft point like guard. you need to go get a point guard, you need. Well, they drafted a point guard there.
3: Yeah, he's he has point guard vision and a small forward frame body.
2: You know somebody else who has that? Jeremy, one Josh Giddy. Oh
3: yeah, Josh <laughs> Giddy. But he's a, he's different.
2: No, no, I get physicality that. Physicality wise. <laughs> I get that. But I'm just talking about size yeah. and skill. Like yeah. he's got kind of that that combo mm-hmm.
4: For me, it's the versatility. You know, When you bring in someone like Victor Wimanyama, it's a ripple effect. Everything Mm -hmm. changes because you're building around him now. What was in place is a little different, so you don't know how other players are going to react around him. So when you have someone that's really versatile who's played against him, also French, they kind of, I'm going to guess, have grown up in that same kind of system, it's helpful.
2: Yeah, they played against each other, I believe, a couple of times when Mm -hmm. they were younger. But I look at this team... And the starting lineup, and then I start to like my mind starts to kind of, ooh, you got seven five with a you know nine foot wingspan, and and Victor Wimbanyama. Then you talk about a uh, Sissoko who is six eight or whatever with another seven foot plus wingspan, and then you look at Jeremy Sohan who, according to I believe it was Keldon, apparently Jeremy has hit a growth spurt this offseason. No,
3: no, that's this all stemmed from. Tari Easton talking about Alfred Sengun. Uh-huh. And he said that he had hit a growth spurt. And then it was memed across Twitter to the point where um, Kendrick Perkins on mm-hmm. NBA Today talked about... How, it's all the same thing. Like, it's yeah, the yeah. same wording every time. And Kendrick Perkins had no idea because he has no idea about anything. Obviously. That and he said it was uh, like about Jonathan Kaminga, but it all uh-huh. st- it all stemmed from Tari Eason was talking about Sengun that he has grown over the summer, mm-hmm. and then it just got memed around Twitter to where everyone Everybody's was saying grown. everyone had grown in the exact. It was the same quote, but just replaced <laughs> Replace the, name. the names. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I saw like twelve different players that it was, but it wouldn't shock
2: me because Jeremy Sohan is nineteen. Yeah. He is still growing. And we talked multiple times about Josh Primo and his growth plate still being open, yeah, and how tall he was going to get. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he came in an inch or two taller this off from six ten to like six eleven, you know, or so. And that just. My point is, you talk about a C.D. Sissoko, you talk about a Victor Benyama, you talk about a 6'10 with a 7-plus wingspan and Jeremy Sohan, Devin Bissell, who is extremely lengthy. Right,
3: from my starting five for the Spurs does not include Trey. I'm going well, Devin, Keldon, but... Jeremy, Wimby, and Collins. So you got Devin at the one, Keldon well, at the Devin two. Well, Devin guarding the best guard. Yeah. Jeremy initiating the offense on yeah. but when he it flips your to defense or whatever devin's guarding the best guard jeremy's guarding the best forward and then you fill the gaps around that but we're not running a traditional one i would know extreme size and length and just wreak havoc on the defensive end
2: what was it they called both uh, in denver and uh, other places when they went to their to their their big ball
3: Back oh, when yeah.
2: Bull Bull was playing up yeah, there.
3: Yeah, the death lineup or whatever.
2: Because they well the Warriors had the death the lineup of death or whatever, right? Yeah. Which was uh, a very small It was the fast, opposite, yeah. But this one was completely opposite yeah, where yeah. everybody's over six seven.
3: Yeah. <laughs> when they were running like AG, Bull Bolt, Jokic Michael Porter. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was absurd.
2: <laughs> it was their their version of the death lineup that stretched the floor but were all like six, eight and over. Like the Spurs can feasibly do something like that. You put a Zach Collins with Wemby and uh Vassell and Sohan. Like you can make a very matchup nightmare type, yeah. especially if Jeremy Sohan is in the lab this offseason from what everything he's I've heard been the he's lab. been in the lab like and his three-point develops the yeah. way that his free throw developed throughout the season last year
3: switch everything on offense and it's size mismatches everywhere or switch everything on defense and it's size mismatches everywhere on offense
2: everywhere size matchups mismatches everywhere but at the same
3: time everyone's a threat yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's why I mean Trey, great point guard, but I'm I'm going crazy lineup. Like I said, super length. I love Trey, and I want to bring him back. And Trey and Malachi just off the
2: bench. But I think Trey is a, in my brain, he is the perfect
3: yeah sixth
2: man off the bench.
3: Yeah, well, not even I don't even no, consider, like sixth man. You know, whatever. But, but he's your, your backup point guard. Yeah, he. That's what I will mean. come in and lead the second group to a to perfection. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: 656 six ESPN, 210-656-3776. We are getting closer and closer to Victor Wimbenyama taking the stage for his introductory draft press conference. We just heard from C.D. Sissoko, and we. there's so much going around this, and I imagine that Victor's is going to go very similar to C.D.'s. We're going to get a whole lot in English first and then the French part's going to come. Because this this is huge internationally, so much like Manu, and we had to kind of get used to that where it was part of the press conference was in English, and then the other part was in Spanish. Because he was bilingual, and there were reporters from everywhere, from all places coming to interview him. So it became more of a thing. And I believe he actually did interviews in like two or three languages sometimes because he, you know, it's that big of a draw internationally. It's
4: yeah. the coolest thing about international people is they have multiple languages and we're all over here <laughs> complaining about not being able to understand certain players. And, you know, you, you hear them talking in French and it gives you a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be a foreigner when you want to hear what they're saying, right? And uh, recently there was a thing with Leo Messi mm-hmm. where the the guy... I forget his name on Fox. He was a former sports reporter, but he went on to say that I want to be able to hear him in my language. He needs to learn English. And then he went on to say that David Beckham couldn't speak English. And I know it was a dry joke that yeah. just fell flat and he terrible delivery. But, you know, he got made, he got made fun of a lot for that. And, but at the at the same time, you're like, maybe it's a little entitled to assume that someone should have to change they're you know oh, it's a language entitled, but so that's an for, american trait just for this one dude to understand right like that's just what it feels like to be a spanish only speaking american right now mm-hmm. you know imagine how many people want to listen to a broadcast in spanish want to listen to this entire conversation in spanish right but we, we're bringing the english bringing the english heat. so anyway <laughs> well, part i think of that's it, too, it just brings another level of
2: awareness but part of it too is Internationally, over there in Europe, especially, they grow up differently because so many nations border each other that all speak kind of different dialects. Exactly. That you learn them because you're kind of forced to. Yeah. The same way that is, America does all the same uh, language, English, but they're all kind of different dialects. You know, we have different mm-hmm. accents because we're all speaking the same language, but from different parts of the country. So there's a different twang on most uh forms of patterns of speech. You got if,
4: Jack's accent, you got my accent. You
2: got mine. <laughs> but that's that's you know how America's different is we're not bordering on a whole bunch of countries that speak a whole bunch of different languages. We're bordering on a whole bunch of states that speak different Spanish, dialects. Spanish, Spanish,
4: mm. Canadian French, Canadian. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we do get a little bit of that, but hey, you know, good on him for and everything's having those so close. Set. They all
2: travel like through all those right. countries, so they learn all those languages growing up. Right. Most of us only travel through states. Right.
4: It makes me wonder how frustrated people are going to be for the World Cup when it's here in twenty twenty six, when the vast majority of Americans don't speak anything other than English. Mm. It's a little bit of Spanish, right? But a little bit might, of Spanish. Be difficult. I, I
2: imagine there's uh, the closer you get to the Canadian border, there's probably some friendship French there, yeah. but. Mm-hmm. Other than that, yeah, it's a mainly American speaking country, but at the same time, are they going to be upset, or are they going to be very, you know, happy with the accommodations because everything's better? We're going to Victor Wimbanyama right now. It is live at his introductory press conference,
10: young man. Um, But I did want to say um, welcome to the Wimbanyama family, um, to Buna, to Issa. Friends, coaches, all of you in attendance, um, hopefully you all have felt the love dating back to draft lottery night, to arriving yesterday, and then here today. Uh, to Victor, I wanted to say to you directly, we're excited to grow with you, support you, challenge you, especially Coach Pop, <laughs> there'll be a lot of challenging day, um, on your journey through life and basketball. Your talent is obvious, but as we got to know you, the maturity, the approach, um, the character really showed us how special of a young man you are, and as an organization, we're extremely excited to welcome you to the city of San Antonio and to the Spurs family. Thanks, man. And with that, I'll pass it over to Jordan for questions.
13: We'll take questions if anyone has any. We'll start with Mike Finger, San Antonio Express News, right here.
1: Hey Victor, you mentioned the day before the draft in New York about wanting to be the best at all parts of the job, a basketball player, and I'm sure you've seen some of the murals around town, the mariachi songs written about you, uh, do, you do you feel like part of that job is to immerse yourself in this community, and, and how do you feel like you're going to tackle that part of the job?
6: You're right, you're right, I want to I do the best I can in every aspect of the job, and. Uh, you know, as far as, as I've seen, the, the fans have been the best at their job. So, yeah, I can I can uh, I can only hope to be at, at their level. And um, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's just uh, you know there was a photo shoot before, and uh, I gotta answer the question the best I can. As I, I gotta be the yeah,
13: I gotta do my best. Little we'll Jeff McDonald right here.
1: Hey Victor, um, what have the last, since you left Brooklyn, what, have, what has the last 24 hours been like for you? Has it been sort of a, a whirlwind type deal?
6: You know, uh, high in emotions, but uh, also a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to do. You know, after the draft, after it happened, I had like two hours of media, and then I got just to celebrate remember. with my family, so the emotion I had time to settle down a little bit but uh, it was a really tiring that, that, the last 72 hours were really really tiring and uh... yeah but it's you know I'm, I'm really enjoying the moment everyone is doing a perfect job around me you know everyone is doing their best so i feel good and uh... so i had the, the least to do also you know uh, my, my family and my, the people around me do a lot for me and uh... yeah everywhere i've been i've been uh... welcome uh, Warmly, so it's just it's it's really comfortable. I'm I'm really I'm I'm really happy to be in that position.
1: What what have you been able to do since you've got to San Antonio in those those hours and days?
6: I haven't been able to do much, you know. Uh, I've had time to eat some uh, some tacos, <laughs> but that's pretty that's pretty much it, you know. Just uh, unpack the unpack the luggage, and uh, yeah, meet meet all the, the staff, meet meet the the fans. This is the first time I come to this arena. You know, I haven't had the time to visit it all. But, and, yeah, and lastly, I'm, what
1: did you think about just all the fans at the airport yesterday when you landed?
6: This is, uh, I wasn't expecting so much, so much, uh, so much from just my arrival, you know. It's uh, its really, it was a really, really fun moment, and this is, this is what
13: it's about, you know. This makes me happy. Go to Don Harris, right here.
14: Hey, Victor. Um Just really fascinated by the the fact that we've never seen anybody in your height handle the ball the way you do. And I wanted to get more uh, reflection from you on the the development of that. I I heard there were the Pete Marriage videos and and your mom was your your first coach in teaching you about ball handling. Two, when did that start? And was mom as tough as Coach Pop?
6: Sorry, can you? I I didn't hear you.
14: Was mom as tough as Coach Pop?
6: No. (laughs) (laughs) When
14: when Uh. did that begin
6: you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced uh, playing under Coach Pop yet, but uh, I know for sure my mom wasn't as hard as him because she's only she was only my coach when I was probably like uh, five years old. So if she had been as tough as Coach Pop, I probably would have quit. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it's, she she always she always knew her role and. And uh, basketball for her and for my family was always secondary, you know. Uh, the first thing was always making me grow as a person and being a good human being uh, before being a good basketball player. But, uh, yeah, about the, the Pete Mar- Maravich videos, you know. I had one of my coach when I was 12, 13 years old. He, he was a big fan. Like, like he knows everything about basketball. And he was the one watching the, the videos and then giving us drills to do. And I just learned that co- that coach is like a basketball fa- fanatic. And I just learned he was at the draft. He was in Brooklyn, and, and he didn't even tell me. He was there. He was just watching me like a, like a shadow, and he didn't even tell me. This is how big a fan he is.
14: And secondly, uh, reflect on uh, or tell us a little about your dinner with David Robinson, Tim Duncan, and Manu Ginobili last night.
6: Yeah, probably one of the best, you know, in... Probably a couple hours. I learned more than uh, I learned more about the NBA than in my whole life before, you know. And uh, it's such, such, a, such comforting to see that these people who are so important to the city of San Antonio and to the franchise are such kind people and generous because they genuinely wanted to to share with me their experience. And uh, you know, yeah, I, I feel like they they've, they've already started to take great care of me and uh it's just so comforting to, to to be in that in that position It's so comfortable you know and uh it's also i think it's also the position uh, tim duncan was in when he came in he, because he told me he had to he just had to look up to, to david robinson to and, and sean elliott to yeah to, and follow the, their path and he knew he was in good hands
2: you're listening live to the Victor Wembanyama introductory press conference right here on 941 San Antonio Sports. Star.
14: Victor, what were your thoughts on the Spurs drafting C D and uh, what what do you think of his game? Sorry, is Asoko. Uh, what what was your thoughts about the Spurs drafting him, and what are your what are your thoughts
6: about his game? You know, C D I've known him for a really long time, almost almost 10 years now, and uh, he's always been like. Of the, amongst the, the top players of age, like a really, really mature player on the court, you know. And uh, yeah, he was—he uh, was really hard to play against him back in the days. I haven't played against him in a long time, actually. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, except in the, at the G League. And uh, yeah, he's really developed into—I mean, we—we were—we were, we were playing against each other at 10 years old, and now we're, we're together in, in, in the NBA. Play, in the NBA, we're going to be NBA players. So, it really shows that he's developed into the man he wanted to be. We'll come over here to Larry.
1: Wimby, welcome to San Antonio. Um, Can you describe to us, in your own words, you as a basketball player? We've all seen the highlights out there. Can you tell us in your own words, though, who you are as a basketball player? And what are the Spurs getting in you as a young man off the court?
6: As a basketball player, you know I'm, I'm trying to be myself. Um, I'm trying to. I'm not trying to. At the same time, I, I'm trying to learn and be as objective as I can. You know, to, to become the best. But I'm also trying to be myself and not let anyone change the way I, I, I want to be and change the way I, I want to play. And um, I think this is really the the way to become the, the best version of myself I can be as a player. So yeah, but. I think I do a little bit of everything, you know. And uh, off the court, uh, there's, I mean, people have been showing me love so far, a lot of love. And uh, I think I can give all this back to, to the fans, to the community, to the, to the franchise, and to the city, and uh, even to the state. And um, yeah, this is uh, there's, there's a lot I want to do off the court, which is a good thing, because I'm probably going to retire before I'm 40 years old, so. I need to make something out of my time
13: blend English with Tim right here
14: victor I'm curious what the next few days are going to be like for you um, I know sometimes Nike guys get called up there to to go through that and summer league practice starts in a few days summer league games start in a couple of weeks. How hectic is your calendar the next next few days
6: you know i got a i got a, I got a lot to do but it's it 's right. it's okay it 's all going to fit in the, in the schedule i got I got houses to visit to to to, to get comfortably installed in the city I got to go as you said to, to the Nike headquarters in portland um, yeah I got I got, a, I got a couple couple other things to do around the states and um, but um, most importantly you know lately i 've had so much stuff to do off the court uh, like with the, with the media for example that uh that uh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta go back to re- being really focused on, on practicing, on lifting, you know, because this isn't what I've done most in the, in the past couple of days and, uh, you know, it feels, it feels really weird.
13: We'll do some French with Jan right here in the front.
2: Uh, Victor, Yannonona, l'équipe, uh, est-ce que tu peux nous, nous parler du, du dîner que that tu as évoqué hier Antonio soir? San Antonio Spurs, Victor Wimbenyama at his press conference. Edwin, if you want to continue to listen down the line, just see if they switch back to English at any point during this. Uh, but as they go French, we will step aside. We're going to take a quick break, come back, react to what we've heard. From Victor Wimbanyama and what the future of the San Antonio Spurs is now that he is officially in the building and in the silver and black. As a matter of fact, that suit was fire. He was wearing a nice silver uh, uh, gray suit jacket with black pants and a white shirt underneath. I think he got the memo.
4: That was so fresh, and you know it was (laughs) custom-made because you're not going to find that at a big and tall store. That is
2: not on the rack. Uh We'll be back with more right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 941-FM, and com. Welcome back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. That's right, we're still here. We are here. We haven't left yet. We're going until 1 o'clock as we just brought you the first ever live in San Antonio press conference for the future of the San Antonio Spurs, Victor Wimbenyama, and of course, also, you know, City Sissoko.
4: Moment in history. Yeah.
3: Glad to be part of it.
4: Same, same. It's Good stuff.
2: It was. Um, it was a lot shorter than I expected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's where I was asking Jason, do you think it's going to go typical Spurs, or do you think because of who Victor is, like things are going to skew in a different direction? Because things have skewed in a different direction. Holding this at the at and Center, on the court, different direction, you know? The big Lego Eiffel Tower on the stage, Hilarious. different direction. Loved it.
3: Yeah.
4: For a minute there, I was like, "Is that edible? Is that <laughs> fondant? I must be hungry."
2: I read something. <laughs> it, it looks like it was a Lego yeah. reconstruction. Yeah.
3: Victor likes Legos, apparently.
4: Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a nice little gift. Hopefully, he gets to take it home.
2: That would be dope. Put that up in your apartment or, or house or whatever you're going to get here. I don't know if I he's going to get lost. Or...
3: Or... Live in Timmy's or not? Or no, Tony's. Tony's place. <laughs> I wonder who was
4: tasked with putting that together.
3: Probably a team of people. Yeah. That would have taken a long, a long time. time. Yeah.
2: I imagine he's likely getting a house custom made. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Because let let's face it, much like that suit didn't come off the rack, uh-huh. I would imagine most houses, apartments, lofts, whatever you may be looking for, no matter how luxury they are,
3: they ain't made for someone who's <laughs> seven five. Exactly. Oh. Man, <laughs> and <laughs> imagine
4: living your whole life having to duck through a doorway.
2: <laughs>
4: like, come on, you small people. Meet me at my level. Oh.
2: Taking a look, uh, Jason Minnick's tweeting live from the press conferences, uh, Spurs chairman Peter J. Holt just sitting there, kind of away from everyone, taking everything in that's happening, just sitting in the back, just kind of observing, and it's really, really cool, and that that tells you how grand this moment truly is, that Mm -hmm. picture is kind of encapsulates the grandness of the moment at hand in terms of the owner of the franchise has managed to kind of break away to just kind of lean in, watch everything that's happening, and just take it all in. Yes,
4: just soaking in the moment. So many of us don't do that. I, I struggle with that. Everything, I'm recording on my phone, snapping a photo. It's not often that I just put the phone down and Watch what's happening.
2: I used to be so bad at that. I used to be awful at that because work and everything else, I was glued to my phone. I needed to know if something happened, if there was a trade. Like I felt I needed to be plugged in at all times until I was forced to go somewhere that literally forced me to unplug. Like I had zero service. I was in the foothills of the Colorado mountains, like somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. And every time we drove like 30 miles away from the house and kind of got back near civilization, my phone would just blow up. But it was the greatest moment of just it taught me how a mentally healthy it was just to put the phone away and not worry about it.
4: My fear is that I'm not going to remember stuff. So (laughs) I'm always taking photos. So it'll pop up and remind me later. But at this point, you've taken all the photos you can and you got to just sit back and take it. And I think he's wise to do that. And, you know, press conference went a little short because what more can you ask? Mm -hmm. I think everybody's asked the same question about 20 times in 20 different ways. 100 percent. And he's probably just tired now. He's had a Pretty crazy 48 hours. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. Right, you should go play basketball right, right now. I
4: know, right? <laughs> I'm
3: sure he's dying <laughs> to <resting>. get shots <laughs> up. I can assure you, he's dying to get shots up.
2: Oh, man. This is definitely a fantastic moment. We we're talking about Vic's suit. And uh, Joey Fernandez says that suit was definitely fresh.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: So fresh. Great color, too. It's not flashy. It's just clean. Well,
2: it's Spurs colors. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's not too silvery. It's, I think, a classic suit.
2: It's gray. The, the pants he was wearing is black. The buttons on the suit are black, and then he's got a white shirt. I mean, it is classic Spurs colors. It is fantastic. I love it. Uh, I, there was a lot of thought that went into that outfit about what he was going to wear to his first Spurs press conference. Mm-hmm. And he made sure that it was silver and black.
4: Just fully embracing it, I mean, how could you not? they're your family now, so
2: I still want to know where they went for dinner, <laughs> like I want to know what that I know they asked about the dinner, and he was like, "Yeah, I learned a whole lot more about the n b a than I'd ever learned in my life at that dinner, and that's not what I wanted to know about the dinner. Where'd you go?" <laughs>
4: We were talking about it, and was it like a meat situation where you shut down the restaurant and let them have the experience? Or is it bring tacos to Timmy's house and, you know, hang out there and—or maybe have a personal chef cook you some breakfast tacos?
2: <laughs> That's quite possibly what it was, but yeah. I also could envision, like, swanky, yeah, like, super high-end restaurant where they just—they shut it down for that.
3: yeah, right, right.
2: And I could totally see that. Let's- like
4: Swanky breakfast tacos? I feel like you gotta get the, I don't think the Pudo San Antonio.
3: They did, did breakfast tacos
2: last night.
4: <laughs> I guess it could be a possible liability right before a big press press conference, huh?
2: Tavaria says that uh, Michael C. Wright tweeted last night last night at Bliss. Is Bliss a restaurant here in town? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Maybe they were at Bliss Maybe last night.
4: So. I'm gonna have to check that place out. I've not been there.
2: I've never been. Yeah, mm.
4: yeah, interesting.
2: I imagine um uh, probably gotta save a couple of paychecks to go there, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, if Pop, Tim, Mon- Maybe- I- <laughs> are all taking Victor there for his first right. meal, I imagine, yeah, it probably will take some saving up. (laughs)
4: Maybe if we uh, give them a shout-out on the radio. I don't think it's going to work.
2: I think they're doing just fine. A girl can dream, okay? A
4: girl can dream.
2: Let's take a quick break. When we come back, get ready to kind of finish up our Wimby uh, press conference thoughts with, now that the draft is over and Summer League is here and free agency starts next week, how do you best build around Victor Wimbanyama? We'll discuss next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 941-FM and ESPNSA.com. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, one fm We are your extended WIMBY coverage. We just got done with his press conferences. We're getting ready to... Take you to the top of the hour and then get you ready for Rangers baseball coming up a little bit later today. But, let's react to what we've heard. Let's think about the future now. Wimby is finally here. He is officially here. He has said that he's here. He is happy he's here. Next is free agency. You got all these draft picks. How do you play this out, Jack? How do you best build around him?
3: Uh, There's a lot of different avenues for sure, but I think first and foremost is I I think this year we're going to play it out. I, we might add someone in free agency, but I feel like we're going to run it back with with our crew we got right now, see what works, see what doesn't. But I think first and foremost to adding to Wimby is a, a center, a big center that can Bang rebound, do all the dirty work that Wimby doesn't have to do. So
2: I think we're on the same page. Yeah, Yay.
3: that's the first. That's the first step in my eyes. Is center the
2: only real step I want to see in free agency this year? You have, I think it's the second amount, uh, most amount of money to spend next to the Houston Rockets, who mm-hmm. are also interested in the same player. So I wouldn't be mad if he ended up there either.
3: But I think it's, you know it, who it is. Yeah, it's Brooke Lopez. It's definitely Brooke Lopez.
2: His defensive efficiency was insane last year. He helps you spread, yep. and he can take the damage yeah. down low and protect Wemby. I think he's the perfect puzzle piece to fit in because I do believe that they want to build this around Wemby, Keldon, uh, Jeremy, and Devin. Yeah, And we saw last year this team's really, really
3: good yeah. when fully healthy. Firing on all cylinders, we were tough out for sure. We just didn't see it very often.
2: And that was by design. Yeah. Yeah. So all this tank for another year stuff, it's not going to happen. This was, they saw an opportunity. They willfully made it happen. It came to fruition. They're done. Yeah. From here on, it's about improving.
3: Also, like next year. There's nobody there. It's not. There's no there there. No, it's not even close to this. Like, (laughs) It wouldn't. Yeah, and the, the draft talent that will be in the pool next year and is not even close.
4: And they have first-round draft picks for years to come. Lots of things they can do, movement. My favorite thing about free agency is for the same reason as lower draft picks, expectations are low. And then you find these players who, when they go into the proper lineup, they're like diamonds in the rough. You know, that's my favorite part about this. And that's what's so hard for Wimby is he has the target on his back. Expectations are high. If he doesn't compete at the highest level, people are going to whine about it. But you see someone like C.D. in the mix or you find someone in free agency who is unsuspecting and then they come in and they do big things, they're going to get a ton of praise. It's just perspective, not to say that they're any better or worse. It's just the way that we see him going into it. So I'm excited for this kind of stuff.
2: You want to take this one or me on our YouTube channel Tavares says, neo point guard Trey Jones, not that guy.
3: He's not the. He's the not going be the point guard. Yeah. He's
2: not going to be the starting point guard.
3: Yeah. If if there if we're starting a guard at one, that it like if Jeremy is not the. Initiator, I expect him
2: to handle the ball.
3: I think it'll be Malachi. I mean, it just depends on what we're doing. Like, is Wimby the four or the five? If he's the four and Zach's the five, then I think Malachi. Would if Brooks the five. Oh, if Brook yeah. <laughs> if someone else is the five, yeah. But like I said, I still want I want uh Jeremy to mm-hmm. be the the initiator on offense. I want to go extreme length, switch yep. everything, crazy versatility on defense and just wreak havoc. I'm in.
4: I like that.
2: Because let's face it, it's going to be an, a nightmare matchup when it comes to defensively against other offensive teams, just getting around that length is going to create so many problems for other teams matchup-wise. Yeah,
3: we'd we'd be going, you know, Keldon would be the smallest guy, and Keldon's nickname is Big Body. So (laughs) it would be an extremely tough lineup.
2: And there's a chance Keldon's the guy coming off the bench anyway.
3: Yeah, or if If, we do start a guard at one, Keldon's probably the guy off the bench.
2: 656ESPN six, six 65637776 1 less 7 Anyway, we want to thank everyone for joining us on this 4-hour Wimby coverage. Jack Thompson, yeah. Katie Goodman, Edwin Hafner working his butt off behind the glass to make this happen. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you Monday Wham-B. with Wham-B. everything else starting with Wham-B. R&R in the morning. Wham-B. Wham-B.